0: This is the Voice of the Report of the Week, signing on. Hello, ladies, gentlemen, and everyone listening in to this newest edition of VORW Radio International, the Voice of the Report of the Week. Welcome, one and all. I hope everyone is doing and feeling okay. This program should likely be going out... Um, perhaps on Friday the 22nd of January 2021, so that's when I'm hoping um, for the show to go out. This intro is being recorded, I'd say, a day or two later than the rest of the show, so uh, having given it a listen, uh, you know, this show is a mixed bag, I think. Uh, When I recorded most of the broadcast, I wasn't really in a very positive temperament. Um, I wouldn't say the show is a complete downer, um, but just, you know, I just say that as a word of warning, you know, but it's, it's real. That's, you know, that's what, what it, what it comes down to. So, uh, I just say that as just a little bit of a, uh, I don't know, a preface, so to speak. You know, you, you have been warned, right? For those of you still tuning in on YouTube, there are three pieces of fan art featured in the broadcast. The first piece, which I thought was fantastic, it, it's just great, um, can be credited to Caitlin who also goes by the name Bustin Surfboards on Instagram, so for more of the work there. The second piece is credited to Abraham Simon. The third piece is credited to an anonymous artist. If you would like to submit a piece of fan art to be featured in an upcoming show, you're more than welcome to do so. All that I ask is that you submit the piece of fan art as an email attachment, or just upload it to an image hosting website and uh, email me the uh, the link to that. You can reach me at v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. Finally, if you are interested in advertising on this program and promoting your goods, services, music, YouTube channel, anything, if there's anything you are interested in advertising and promoting, this is the place to do it. We have a very good deal for advertisers, and if you are interested in this, at least contact for more information. You can reach me again at vorwinfo at gmail.com. Finally, portions of this broadcast on YouTube may be removed to comply with the community guidelines. Please be wary of that, and I recommend you consider checking the other streaming platforms, uh, to see if the full show is there, if it is not here on YouTube. And with that, sit back and enjoy the broadcast. This is VORW Radio International. Collective Fear is a one-man electronic music project out of Boston, Massachusetts, who released their first single, Pity, on October 11th, 2020. The music evokes dark themes and moods of synth-pop, dark wave, and shoegazing while maintaining a catchy pop sensibility. Collective Fear has drawn comparisons to artists such as Cold Cave, Health, and Youth Code, and would be a great listen for any folks who enjoy electronica in general. With a variety of new releases at the ready, Collective Fear is poised to make an impact in 2021. Pity is available on all major streaming platforms, such as Spotify, SoundCloud, Bandcamp, Apple Music, Tidal, Deezer, and many more. Please feel free to give a follow on Spotify or Instagram at instagram.com slash collective underscore fear. If you'd like to support the band and stay up to date on future releases, I appreciate your support and hope to connect with all of you as listeners in the future. Are you located in the greater Sacramento area of Northern California, or know someone who is? Maybe you're considering moving or relocating to that part of the state. There's a lot of realtors out there, and lots of competition, lots of folks who say that they do this, this, and this, and sometimes it can be hard to find the right expert. There can be a lot of uncertainty, but a choice I recommend is Michael Peralta with eXp Realty, an excellent communicator and negotiator with a proven track record helping people buy or sell residential real estate. He's definitely a name that you can trust. While things might be a bit strange today, real estate continues to be the best way to create wealth, and mortgage rates are at historic lows. His DRE number is 19 He's the real deal. If this is something that you're interested in, remember he serves the greater Sacramento area of Northern California for residential properties. You can reach out to him via telephone, area code 916 300 7224. Again, area code 916 300 7224. Or, of course, you could reach out to him via email at Peralta Real Estate Services at gmail.com. That's P-E-R-A-L-T-A, Services at gmail.com. One long sequence there, but check him out. He's a good guy, the real deal, and he'll certainly do his best to help you out. What a, uh, what a crazy time we're in, you know? What a crazy time. All that happened I mean this month so far obviously the month isn't over we still have a bit to go you know it's like where do you even start right where do you even start where to begin what to say and then the other question what can you say right what can you say what is considered at this point you know, acceptable? And what isn't? A lot of the rules are very fluid. A lot of the, well, you know, this is okay, this isn't. Right? We deem that you can say this, you can post this, you can do that, but you can't do that, that, and that. I think a lot of the time, you know, situations and whatnot, however valid they may be, you know, they can get manipulated, they can get exploited, and people can therefore use them for what they, what they want. You see that a lot. You know, you even see that, of course, with COVID. COVID is legitimate, it's dangerous, it's real, Um, but I really do think that a lot of places use it in some cases as an excuse. And it's a good excuse, a very legitimate and perfectly valid excuse. Um, But some people do exploit it, nonetheless. You feel like you're walking on eggshells, even when you really don't have anything to be worried about. You still can't help it at this point. I really can't. And you have this sense of paranoia where it's like, what if I say the wrong thing? You know? it gets scary. It it gets very scary. It really does. The internet, and I don't know why some people are only realizing this now, it's one of those things that, I mean, I've known, really the first time that I ever really fully understood it was actually as late as 2017. The internet... Number one, yes, it's very expansive, you know, it's very, there's so many websites out there, how many of those websites do we actually use? Right, you look at it this way, the internet, at least to the average person, is really no more than a small collection of very large websites. You know, the 20 most popular websites, for instance, uh, in the U.S., because I know most listeners here are in the U.S., um, Google, YouTube, Facebook, Amazon, Wikipedia, Yahoo, a porn site, (laughs) Reddit, Twitter, Instagram, eBay, CNN, another porn site, Walmart, Craigslist, Sports, ESPN, another porn site, and another porn site, Fox News, and a weather site, you know, but then you, you you realize that a lot of these sites, you know, are owned by more than one organization. You know, Google and YouTube are connected, right? You have Facebook, Instagram; those are connected, so on and so forth. You start drawing the parallels. You really you realize that the internet, as most people use it despite there being so many websites, it's all controlled by just a few companies, you know? Again, Facebook, they run uh, Instagram and WhatsApp. You have Google, which, you know, controls YouTube, Amazon, their connections with Twitch, you know, so on and so forth. But it's like a web and everything is connected to these big, you know, just a, a, a small handful of companies that really own the internet again, as it's used um, by the average person, you know, someone who just browses the web, uses social media, etc., etc. And, yeah, well, whether we like it or not, these sites have rules. Uh, the internet is not a free-for-all, you know. We, we like to treat it as it is, um, but whether we like it or not, these sites, they have their rules and they enforce them. Uh, you know, now, whether we like it or not, they say, well, that's just the way that it is. We can make the rules, we can change the rules, and we enforce the rules as we wish. I first realized that things were just the way that they are, you know, that this is the world that we live in, and that here's a very important life lesson, and people aren't going to like it, but I find this the hard of truth. You know the phrase, the hard of truth. You're not going to like it, but There's nothing you can do about it. You cannot and you will not win against, you know, against this stuff. It's impossible. So you're faced with two choices, therefore. Either abide by the rules or don't participate and deal with it. Because you really have no other option. Um, That's just all that there is to it. But, you know, I remember the first time I realized this about the internet, it always happens when it impacts you personally, and it impacts you directly, that's when you really open your eyes, and you see it as it is. Was with YouTube, you know, because I myself, I just do the stuff on YouTube, I mean, that's my bread and butter, so to speak, and... I remember in 2017, they said, well, due to. I forget even what the justification for it was, honestly. It was something like, you know, due to inappropriate uh, content on the site, we are going to be enacting harsher monetization guidelines. And we will be using an algorithm that will automatically, you know, search through every monetized video. And if it it detects inappropriate content, uh, then you will be demonetized, right? And you can't make any money off of your video. Now, obviously, at the time in 2017, that was very concerning to me. Um, You know, it still is because, again, that's my job. That's why I'm not homeless. Uh, That's why, you know, I'm able to keep the lights on and all of that stuff because of monetization. But you see, in 2017, I trusted the system. I thought to myself, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. You know, I'm... I'm sitting here, I'm reviewing food. So, I don't think I have anything to worry about, right? I mean, I'm okay. I'm... I mean I wear a full suit and tie. I there's no nudity. There's no harsh coarse language. You know in these uh in these videos there's no <laughs> offensive scurrilous remarks or anything. It's you know, I don't know, family friendly. So there's nothing to worry about, right? That's what I told myself. And that's what I thought until when I remember the first time it happened, I was reviewing an item from Burger King, I think it was. Video demonetized. Right off the bat. You know, it said, pretty much we found offensive or rule-breaking content in this video. As a result, you can't profit off of it at all. Wait a minute. I know what I made. I know what this video... what this video was. I I made it. I filmed it. I did it. What rule did I break? Where did I go wrong? What happened here? I was very puzzled. I was very concerned. I thought to myself, surely this had to be some glitch. Surely this had to be some mistake? I didn't do anything wrong. So I appealed it. And after about 48 hours, they reviewed the appeal. Oh, okay, well, our automatic uh, AI detection made a mistake. Yeah, that your video's fine. Sorry about that. Now it can be monetized, but at that point in time, you know, most of the views are already within the first 48 hours. So I really, you know, didn't make anything from that video. You think to yourself all right well maybe it was just a fluke in the system i don't know until it happens again and then again and then again and then again and then you start looking at yourself you're saying well what am i doing wrong is is the system just that inefficient or is it something that i'm doing how can it be something that i'm doing though because they review it every single time and they admit that their ai made a mistake and unjustly flagged the video and screwed up. So, what am I doing? Is it something, how is the AI still doing this though? I don't understand. I thought they said that this is machine learning and that eventually things like this, false positives won't happen. But it kept happening over and over and over again until it would get to the point where It would be like a race against time, and again, this is all in 2017, but it was like a race against time. I knew that when I uploaded the video and monetized it, it took about two hours for the AI to make its rounds and assess whether the video, you know, had suitable content. And mind you, you know, it would always flag it, and it would always say that the review was unsuitable. Maybe it hated suits, I don't know. Unsuitable, right? It hated suits. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know, I never found out why it kept flagging the videos or what. Um, but, I realized that I had about a two-hour span from when I uploaded the video till it would usually be demonetized by the algorithm. So, In that two-hour span, I could still have the video monetized and try to make whatever I could before they kind of shut it down. So it would get to a point where it would be like a race against time. You upload the video and make it public ASAP and just, you know, try the luck of the draw and hope that people see it before um, it gets demonetized. And usually when a video gets demonetized, that's the other thing. It would always get, in a way, pulled off of the, uh, the search. So people couldn't find it too easily either. But it just felt bad, you know, because you didn't do anything wrong, but you're getting punished. And obviously it hurt the channel the whole time this stuff happened. And it's like, there's nothing, nothing you can do about it. And I remember once I was really frustrated. I remember there was a video that I did. I'll never forget it in 2018 it finally started to get a little better it kind of got worse before it got better but i remember there was a video where i reviewed um jet let me even find the video because that's an airline that i'll fly yeah it was from 2017 december of 2017 It was called My JetBlue Experience. And the video to this day, I wonder how many views it has. Let's find out. 129,000. But I remember that video. I uploaded it. I made it public. And within minutes, it was demonetized pulled off of the search and completely killed. And it was very, very demoralizing, demoralizing, granted, because I remember I did a lot of work on that video, and it was a real gut punch to see it get shot down so quickly. The last straw, where finally things started getting better, you know, they kind of, and isn't this the way that it is, it gets worse before it gets better. Um, But the last straw, I remember, was in 2018, mid-2018, I reviewed this item from Popeyes called the Rip-In Chicken. And uh, obviously that name, maybe it sounds familiar, because the latest video that I did was the Rip-In Chicken from Popeyes. And, um... I I doubt anyone could really tell. But when I filmed this review, you know, for the Rip-In Chicken, this is the second time I've ever tried it. But... I was maybe in the first couple minutes a little off my game because I couldn't help but kind of be I don't know if scared is the right word I wasn't really scared but I couldn't help but think back to 2018 what happened the last time I I reviewed that item and it made me kind of nervous and kind of put me in, you know, the wrong frame of mind for a review. Because when you do the reviews you know you're supposed to be very uh chipper and uh you know exuberant and obviously you have higher energy than i normally do most of the time so to tell you this the whole story because it's not something that i really wanted to talk about in that video anyway it's just not the right time and place to do it uh so what happened in 2018 I had reviewed the rip-in chicken from Popeyes, which, I mean, let's be real. You know, it's a piece of chicken, it's a chicken filet that's cut into five strips, all attached to, you know, smaller body of the the filet still, and it looks like a hand. That's obviously the whole point about it. As a matter of fact, let me just verify, let me just look this up, the rip-in chicken from popeyes let's go to google right now and let's look up some pictures of this yeah well how many appendages does this normally have one two three four five has five now interestingly enough the ads that popeyes has show it with six fingers i guess you know that's the mutated hand but they (laughs) almost all the ones that people actually get have five appendages five appendages, five fingers, okay? What do you see in other people's videos? They show it like a hand. Look at this picture from NPR. They have someone with their hands out, and they have the rip-in chicken on top of their hand, obviously making a hand, um, you know, to chicken comparison. And I think that's the whole point of it. I see this video here. This guy has got his hand up, and he's showing it. You know, it looks like a hand, Okay, that's the whole point of it. That's the entire concept of of the item. I even remember in 2018 they had a commercial for it where, you know, someone was like playing around with it and joking that it looked like a hand or something. Okay, so that's obviously the point, that it's supposed to be like a hand of chicken. Yeah, it's inventive, it's kind of creepy too, let's be real. Um, but that's what the rip in Chicken is. All right, we know that, we get that. I think anyone sees that and makes a connection immediately. Yeah, it looks like a hand. Okay, there's nothing, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I remember in the video from 2018, you know, because in the reviews I throw in some humor here and there, I make some jokes, and, uh... I forget what I said. You know how I say stuff. I said "Oh, it looks like a, uh, obviously just as a joke, I said it looks like a severed hand, you know. <laughs> That's it. That's all that I said. I think you've seen far worse, um, more grotesque humor in uh, most other, in many, many YouTube videos. I mean, you have videos that are, you know, showing violent events in the news, um, you have soft core pornography, you have violent games, you have, you know, obviously very, very dirty, uh, you know, comedy and jokes and all that stuff, right? So sitting there and saying that it looks like a severed hand, not showing any pictures or any of that, but just saying it obviously is, I feel kind of of tame in comparison. And I remember I released the video and it was actually doing pretty good. And that evening... I remember I was getting ready to go to sleep. I checked the video, and I found that it wasn't the algorithm this time, but someone physically from YouTube looked at the video and said, this content is extremely offensive. As a result, we have permanently demonetized it no chance of appeals, and we have put this video in restricted mode. I have almost never seen um, a video in restricted mode before on YouTube. Now, granted, that's for a reason. If something is in restricted mode, you're never gonna find it. Um, It's unsearchable. You know, you can't really find it unless you have a link to the video. It's not visible to anyone, really. I was distraught. It was the harshest action ever taken against my channel up until that point, but why? There was no explanation. That's why the whole severed hand thing is just my guess, because that's the only potential thing I could ever even find in the video of anything. But I never got an answer. I never got an explanation. After contacting YouTube, I never received any replies, nothing. And... The only thing that I was left to do is I tried to get the word out about it. I tried to raise hell. And eventually, in the middle of the night, you know, the video was. After bringing the awareness to it, it was brought back to the original mode and remonetized, and, you know, nothing ever happened, right? But I never forgot about that. You know, you're never given. And it's not just that with YouTube, really. It's with that with all the other sites that have rules. One thing that you have to understand with big tech is that we can say what we want about the internet. We can say what we want about these sites. But in the end, look, you can call them public. You can call them free, but calling it something that it's not, isn't going to change the reality of the situation. These sites have rules. These sites make the rules. These sites can change the rules as they see it fit. These sites enforce the rules as they wish and it's something that i realized years ago even for my silly little reviews but it hits you and you realize well this is the hand that feeds you don't bite the hand that feeds you if you depend on it so that's why in recent times now, um, with YouTube especially, I pretty much do two versions of this, of this show, VORW. I have, now I've always done this, actually, there's always been two versions, but usually it was very simple. There's the audio-only file, right, which is what is sent to SoundCloud, it's what's sent on the RSS feed, it's what's sent out to all the podcast platforms, right? iTunes, Spotify, um, I think Amazon Music now I have the show on, iHeartRadio, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, um, TuneIn, and you know, the list goes on and on and on, this innumerable count at this point. And it's also what I send out, um to the am radio stations that carry this uh show and i think there's an fm station out there too so right that's what's distributed there that's version one file one program one then you have version two which is what is uploaded to youtube because then i have to just take the the audio from version one and i just have to add images to it right in in a video editor that's where you know you get the fan art and all of that, and it's really just a very simple edit, and then it's a video file, and that's what's get, that's what gets uploaded to YouTube. Um, but before, before, you know, the the last few months, these shows would be identical, right? It's just the same audio that goes out to everyone else with a couple pictures added, uh, and that's what's uploaded. To YouTube then something happened about halfway through last year that made me reassess that and now lately I've fully decided to as just a precautionary measure I had to make a change because halfway through last year the account for this podcast got a permanent strike Put on it. And if it got two more strikes, uh, I'm getting pulled from YouTube and it's all going away. I'm done. And I, you know, that's, that'll be that. And it was because I discussed COVID-19. What about COVID? Did I talk about that they didn't like? I don't know. But all that I was told is that the videos pertaining to COVID-19, a few of them were outright deleted, Um, I was given a strike for a community guidelines violation and pretty much just was told you got to remove everything else regarding COVID from your channel. So I did. I don't know if it's just because I talked about COVID-19 in the early days. You know, I was talking about it in mid-January 2020 and I was talking about how, you know, well, where it originated from, right? Obviously, the virus, its first prominent outbreak was in China. Is there any need for debate about that? I don't think so, but I have a feeling just because I talked about China and COVID and all of that, somehow it was in violation of some rule and, you know, it was deleted and, you know, striked against it. So I've gotten increasingly paranoid and... You just have to ask yourself every single time, well, is this okay to talk about on YouTube? Is it not? I don't know. And there's no one you can ask, you know, because I don't know if anyone really knows what's acceptable, what is unacceptable, right? What's acceptable on other platforms now? What is? What is considered a conspiracy theory? You know, what is speculation? What is a conspiracy theory, right? Isn't that a little bit up for debate? And lately, you know, this has really put me between a rock and a hard place, so to speak, because, well, what what do I do? So, I made the decision, especially after the predictions show, because obviously right now this world is going through a real a real tough time. Anything that I think could possibly be considered questionable I am deleting from the version of the show that goes on YouTube. Now that might be anywhere from 40 minutes of discussion to an hour of discussion to two hours of discussion to five minutes of discussion from one show to the next. But every show that I do now I'm going to have to police it, so to speak. And... The full show is still going to go out on SoundCloud and all of that. I haven't had a problem there yet. And all the other platforms, you'll get the full show. You know, as intended. On YouTube, though, you're going to be getting an abridged show. Again, anywhere... I don't know how shorter it's going to be. It just depends on what I talk about. Is this discussion right now even allowed you know i don't know i would hope so i mean i'm just discussing facts i don't know i don't know i guess i'll risk it and see what happens but these are just going to be changes that are going to have to occur i just, just for the sake of this show for the sake of its continuity there's nothing else i can do i have to play it safe you know you have to Cause I really just don't know what's what's allowed at this point but it, it it makes it tough because you know I've wanted and this is why I really haven't discussed conspiracy theories as much as I would like to um I've actually to tell you the truth been toning this show down quite a bit lately on purpose um I yeah I personally find conspiracies fun I I enjoy it. I enjoy this, you know, out-of-the-box way of thinking. I always just call it critical thought, um, where you just look at things and you ask questions. Doesn't mean that the questions always have to be right, but you're just assessing situations. And you're addressing sometimes fun and interesting what-if uh, possibilities, you know? Uh, the thing is, though, you just don't know what you can or can't do anymore. So I think that this choice to have a more, I guess, you know, censored version of the show that kind of goes out on YouTube is the best compromise. So that's still able to go out there and it's safe for everyone. And then, you know, the full show, which really isn't any different from what you usually listen to with the uh, VORW, um, will go out on all the other platforms. So that's what we have there. It's just a uh, confusing time because you just don't know what's what. You know, obviously you hear so much discussion right now about... um, You know, and again, the thing you have to realize is that whether one likes it or not, these sites have their rules. They will enforce their rules and there's nothing you can do about it um, if you don't like it or don't agree with it. Um, and that's it. That's, you know... That's all that there is to it so I'm just I don't know I'm scared in a sense because I don't know you know maybe I'm overreacting but what if I'm not right what if I'm not because I have found myself an unlikely target so many times before I just I'm not playing around anymore it's just how can I? I've had it done so many times to me before, you know, these false um <laughs> well you know, not in that way. I was gonna call them false flags, but you know, because they were flagged for being inappropriate and obviously they weren't, but you know, that's <laughs> that's not the right word for it. <laughs> um you know, just these claims of rule violation that I just think I don't I don't agree with, and obviously with things just being cracked down on right now, you know, justly or otherwise, I'm not here to discuss that. Um, But just due to the fact that it's being done, obviously, and again, I've found myself, whether I've liked it or not, in the line of fire, more than once, I just have to take these precautions, because I have a feeling I fear that if I don't, um, you know, I'm going to get metaphorically shot at again. So that's why I've got to do what I've got to do. You know, that's why... Look, this isn't political. This isn't... These are legitimate concerns, I feel, that you don't need to bring politics into, right? Obviously, a lot of the issues with many of these social media sites, you know, banning certain individuals and stuff, uh, it's all politically motivated, of course. But this isn't just a new problem. That's the funny thing. But remember what I said earlier in the show? I didn't start thinking about this stuff until it happened to me. That's how people are. That is humanity, ladies and gentlemen. Whether we like it or not, it doesn't matter until it affects you. I'm guilty of that. We're all guilty of that. And... I think a lot of people are just starting to talk about it now, obviously from a certain political ideology, um, because it's starting to affect them. But this has affected people from all sides. It's affected people, you know, over time, from all sides, all viewpoints, all perspectives, uh, etc. And it's just kind of funny, you know, in light of these recent events, a lot of people started talking about shortwave radio, of all things, which that's one of the reasons why i've always promoted this medium and i've promoted it for how many years now i've talked about it i think regularly and i've advocated it uh since 2014 you know even then in early 2014 i was making videos on the report of the week channel uh telling people how to use web sdr receivers and stuff and uh you know i'm still a staunch advocate i don't care what politics get in the way of things Uh, shortwave radio is one of the freest mediums of communication and reception of information in existence and the reason why every single week i put forth so much time into doing my broadcasts on shortwave and why i continue to pay the airtime bills yes expensive they do get month after month after month for years now is because It's a medium that I truly believe in. I have felt, especially long before now, long before now, uh, in the days, you know, before any of this, I felt uncomfortable with how dominated the internet is by algorithms and by a select number of companies. And it always made me feel uncomfortable. But shortwave radio isn't like that, you know? There's no algorithms. There's no one telling you what to do, what to listen to, etc., but you. You know, you control the experience completely. Uh, If you don't like something, you turn the dial and go to the next station. Nothing is being force-fed to you, and I love that about this medium, you know? it's, It's amazing, and I'm so thankful that it still has a little bit of life in it, even in 2021. Obviously, it's kind of bleeding out slowly, um, but I'm very thankful I've got to experience it. You know, as a matter of fact, one of my own broadcasts is going out right now as we speak. If you'd, um, if you'd believe it, it's a rebroadcast, obviously, because I'm not, you know, able to uh, do two things at once. Um, but I'm monitoring the signal right now. Uh, this is my broadcast uh, to listeners in Europe on sixty seventy kilohertz. I'm playing some music, so you'll only hear it for a few seconds, but, you know, here it is. You could hear it's going out. You know, I think that was some MGMT, if I'm not mistaken. I know this was an older show, but, you know, I'm just monitoring it, making sure the signal's going out as it should, and uh, it's great. It's something that, again, I have my show go out now seven days a week. You know, I do live shows every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday evening, and then I have rebroadcasts Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And, well, obviously, if I needed to make it a seven-day show, um, I could certainly do it, but again, it would just be a huge uh, increase in just the resources to be able to, to make that possible. But I guess that's what I'm trying to say, is that I hope more people understand what shortwave radio is that i think if you play your cards right it could still be a viable alternative to everything that's that's going on right now um but there needs to be some changes to it granted i don't think anyone is going to be willing to make those changes though and allow me to you know explain what i'm talking about here Um, for those of you who are concerned, you better buckle up because I'm going to be going on a lecture about shortwave radio right now, so strap in. (laughs) Um, because what I've been seeing, number one, so many people online, um, everywhere start having concerns about, again, the internet, and this happens from time to time, uh, right now it's among the right. Right. I saw this halfway through the year uh, among some folks on the left. So this is not political. That's what I'm trying to say. This affects everyone. Uh, Everyone, regardless of your social or political views, has these concerns um, in regards to communications, privacy, censorship, emergency communications, uh, you name it. Everyone does. People who you know, don't care one single bit about the US have these exact same concerns. So, anyway, lately I've been seeing a lot of people out there having those concerns again. You know, the what-ifs, the worries about the internet, etc. And collectively, people started remembering that there's shortwave radio. But I think, number one... A lot of people aren't really sure what shortwave radio is. They don't really know what it is. Um, They don't really know how it works or what there is to do with it. They just kind of heard of it and they kind of maybe understand that it is something of uh, an alternative means of communication, but beyond that, a lot of folks are lost, which is understandable. Uh, It's something that I didn't know off the top of my head until I extensively researched it years ago. so here's just, again, the very, very basic outline of it that I do from time to time. Shortwave radio is the description of a range of radio frequencies, pretty much everything from where the AM band ends, so around 1700 kilohertz, all the way up to 30,000 kilohertz. And the way shortwave radio, of course, works is these certain frequencies just the way that it reacts with the upper atmosphere, under certain conditions, radio signals are able to bounce off of the upper atmosphere, like light reflecting off of a mirror, and can travel for thousands and thousands of miles. So yes, let's say in terms of two-way communications, if you are on the right frequency, you know, under the right conditions, you can have a radio and you can talk to someone on the other side of the world with it. So yes, in that way that that is possible. Now that is one of the aspects of the medium uh, called amateur radio or ham radio. So that's just one way that this medium is used. Now oftentimes just that means of communication, the two-way stuff, um, is used as a hobby, you know, by a lot of people. I'm not very sociable at all. So I am not a ham radio operator. Um, I don't have a license for any of that. And it's just not something that I'm interested in. So, you know, that's just not something that, 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 that's for me. Um, But otherwise, shortwave radio, you know, in terms of two-way communications, again, talking back and forth to other people, is also used by various militaries. Um, it's used in some ways by the U.S. Air Force still uh, for EAM messages, which we, I could spend the whole night talking about those, um, the Sky King messages and all that stuff. That's fascinating, but we'll save that for another day. Uh, regular commercial aircraft still use shortwave radio when they are, let's say, in the middle of the ocean. Um, they still use shortwave radio then to be able to communicate to the various airports, etc. So, aircraft still use it in very remote areas or, again, over the ocean. Same thing, some ships do as well. Uh, of course, on the unlicensed side of things, you have pirate radio, which still exists. Uh, especially with shortwave, the FCC does not enforce um, shortwave radio. So, you can kind of set up your own radio station, and usually the pirates play music, but of course, they could do spoken word as well if they wanted to. And um, do that. Uh, You have a lot of fishermen out there from South America and Southeast Asia that also have unlicensed uh, shortwave sets, and they kind of talk back and forth, you know, on their fishing boats uh, to each other. Uh, Same thing in Russia. You have some people in Siberia, you know, in camps and stuff that talk to each other with that and still use it. Uh, You have number stations, which send uh, coded messages uh, to spies, you know, in the field, and those are still used by a number of countries. Uh, The US doesn't use number stations anymore, but um, I know Russia still does, Ukraine does, Poland does, Egypt does, um, I think France still does, Cuba does, China does, Taiwan, they do, uh, North Korea, South Korea, Vietnam. So a number of countries still use number stations. And then another purpose of shortwave radio that is what interests me the most uh, is international broadcasting. And the purpose of international broadcasting is very simple. To transmit a radio program, you know, could be anything, could be a podcast, it could be a talk show, a music show, Uh, anything you know and to transmit it so that through the properties that shortwave radio offers you know that being of course the large coverage area and being able to reach other parts of the world you can broadcast your radio program to reach a very wide geographic area listeners can tune in anonymously they do not need internet they do not even need infrastructure as long as they have a radio to listen via their set. No one but themselves even know what they are listening to. And again, the signal is not stopped unless the transmitter is physically blown up or if the signal is jammed. And radio jamming these days on shortwave is... In the western hemisphere it's pretty rare Uh, cuba jams a few stations um iran jams a few broadcasts ethiopia and eritrea they kind of jam each other's broadcasts sometimes i think nigeria jammed the station once and then of course china and north korea jam a lot of stations over there but really in the u.s there's not a lot of radio jamming that uh, goes on these days you know, not like how it was in the Cold War, etc. So, it's something that I think when used correctly can really have a huge amount of potential. Uh, shortwave radio is really, you know, it sounds like AM radio, it's analog. But the signal can reach a very, very large area. And individuals can listen to these these broadcasts again anonymously they're not tracked they're not traced and you could tune in this is why it's so useful number one in times of censorship uh, the internet could cease to exist but all the signals going out on shortwave would still continue to do so uh, free from any obstruction you know it's completely independent from the internet and again similarly in an area let's say that was just devastated by a hurricane or something or a terrible earthquake and infrastructure is wiped out uh, shortwave radio can sometimes be one of the only uh, only ways to even reach individuals there with up to the minute up uh, to date news and information especially if local AM and FM stations are destroyed as well now shortwave radio is mostly used uh, you know these days of course in the developing world right you know because what aside from merely you know the few folks who still don't have internet let's say in the US or Europe um or aside from people who just prefer to listen it listen to it for the fun of it um out of necessity is there a reason for shortwave radio these days in terms of news and information and music shows and religious shows et cetera? not really right because we have the internet We have social media, we have YouTube, we have all these platforms, we have television, we have newspapers, etc. So shortwave radio, as it's used in 2021, uh, in terms of international broadcasting, is mostly used in Africa, parts of the Middle East, parts of Asia, and uh, parts of uh, South America and the Pacific as well. It's really just not used all that much seriously in north america and europe you know so it's like africa is where the most listeners are at this point um that's where you still have these big stations like the bbc world service uh the voice of america you know a lot of the stations also that you hear on shortwave are are government funded so again you have the bbc you have the voa Uh, You have DW. You have Radio France International, Radio Exterior de Espana, etc. You have these big formal, um, you know, news stations that broadcast, you know, for listeners over there. You also have uh, a lot of religious stations. You know, you have Adventist World Radio. You know, the Seventh Day Adventist Church. You have Vatican Radio. Um, over in the U.S., there's lots of, you know, evangelical stations. Um, some of those are pretty interesting. You have lots of um, end-time ministries as well. Uh, a few literal cults also that still broadcast, etc. You know, there's some music stations. There's um, blatant propaganda. Of course, um it's all, it's all different where it's being targeted. You know, North Korea, of course, is a hotbed of broadcasts because it's a so the media there is so tightly controlled that shortwave is the only way to even get in if you want to. And otherwise, you know, in, in South America, of course, you think about some parts of Brazil that are still very, very remote, uh, especially the Amazon. It would make sense that some shortwave broadcasts are still listened to over there. Uh, one station in Brazil, Radio Nacional de Amazonia, is a very popular station. It's on the frequency 11,780 kilohertz, which, I mean, nowadays a lot of people, I think, are familiar with that number. But um, 11,780 kilohertz is a good uh, a good station. Um, you know, it's very, very listened to um, by lots of communities in the remote uh, Amazon area. They have some good programming. I, I get them with a good signal, and uh, they play lots of cool Brazilian uh, music. But anyway, a lot of these stations, uh, you know, really, they cater to parts of the world where there are still mass audiences. Again, areas that just don't have the infrastructure, areas that are going through a lot of unrest, war-torn areas. You know, parts of Syria, etc. Uh, very, very censored parts of the world like north korea even cuba still had some shortwave broadcasts uh, targeting it etc um but even aside from that in the u.s one thing that again i i still notice folks do is um some people just want to break from all this stuff you know it's i get it i get it especially with the internet and the way things are right now it could drive anyone crazy couldn't it So, shortwave radio still exists, and even in the U.S. it's still used. There are still stations. As a matter of fact, one of the best things about shortwave, especially in the U.S., is that there are, I'd say, about a dozen stations in the U.S. that sell their airtime. So anyone can do a show. That's how I do my show every week. Uh, So there are a number of stations... I use WRMI in Florida, and I also use WWCR in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, and they have hundred kilowatt transmitters, a hundred thousand watts. I purchase the airtime, I do my show, and uh, it gets sent out to listeners all across North America and beyond. And the way most of these stations work in terms of selling airtime, Uh, there are no restrictions, pretty much. It's just very, very laid back. And it's like, if you want to do a show, we don't care what you're going to talk about, what you have to say. Um, You could say and play whatever you want, as long as you pay your airtime bill. That's fine. It's up to the listeners if they want to listen to you or not. So as a result, you have this variety of programming available to listeners here in the U.S. that you could you know, readily hear on shortwave, that is, um, (laughs) the lineup is incredible. Uh, Yes, you know, you hear lots of political shows, Um, you hear some conspiracy theory shows, uh, lots of religious broadcasts, but you also hear some very interesting music and entertainment shows and just general talk shows and just a lot of fun, a lot of interesting fun stuff that you just wouldn't hear anywhere else or at the very least, even if you could hear it online, this is not stuff that you would actively ever search. You know, you'd never search for this stuff. So that's the thing. Some people will say, well, why do you need shortwave? You can just listen to all this stuff online. That's true, but are you ever actually going to take the time, you know, to search up Radio Slovakia International's uh, live stream and listen to them that way? I highly doubt it. But when you have a radio and you're scanning around and you hear it, you're much more inclined to listen. But like with the U.S., you have a very eclectic mix of programming. Let me just give you one example of some of the shows that you hear on, you know, 5850 kilohertz, which is my main frequency to uh, North America um, from WRMI that's where I do my live broadcasts every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday but these are just some of the shows that you can hear on it and you'll see it's a little bit of everything you know, VORW uh, International which is again my radio show I try to make it like a uh, a bit of a didactic uh, program you know, where there's a little bit of music um, but there's also some serious discussion about current events as well then there's a classical music show Encore uh, Classical Music um, Radio Northern Europe International, which is a, a music show that plays, uh, a lot of music from Scandinavia. Uh, there's another show that's called This Is a Music Show. Um, the guy plays old, um, records that he finds at the thrift stores, and you have some real variety there. Then there's, uh, Truth to Ponder, which is a, uh, you know, a conservative talk show. And then you have some religious shows, like, um, alameda bible fellowship uh, faithway baptist hour power of the word um you know so some religious stuff and there's a show called wave scan which is um kind of directed toward amateur radio operators then you have mike's vintage gospel which is um well it's an interesting show (laughs) it's they play like some old gospel music and stuff and, uh, you know, you just have some variety. It's just an interesting lineup. Because whoever wants to have an hour of airtime, again, as long as you can pay for it, you're going to get it. Um, If you want, like, if you want to put it to the test, you can buy an hour of airtime, air and you can babble incoherently for an hour. They're, they'll air it. I guarantee you 100% they will totally freeform, and it's up to the listeners to, uh, you know, tune in and give it the light of day or not. It's just a very versatile and uh, valuable medium that I think is still important in 2020. Do I think that this is the apocalypse? No, I don't, not in the least. There's not even going to be a civil war. I wish people knew that. There's not going to be one. Yeah, people are going to die. Um, there's going to be bad things that are going to happen, in the next few weeks, there are going to be, you know, out outbreaks and outbursts of violence here and there, but you're not going to see an 1860s, you know, type civil war ever, um, because people in this country just have too much to lose these days, and uh, it's a good thing, though. I think it would just no one wins with that sort of stuff. You know, it's, I just think we would we would be done. And no one would no one would win, but. I think that shortwave, what I'm trying to say is that it is still used, even in North America, despite there being alternatives right now. But I still recommend people. Yeah, number one, because yes, my own show is on shortwave, so of course I'll recommend it. But number two, there's lots of other good shows. Um, There's lots of other interesting programs. One of the reasons I became so interested in geopolitics is because of shortwave radio, because I would listen to these international broadcasters i would tune into radio romania international you know in 2014 and they would give very detailed um reports of you know the situation that was going on with crimea back then and that's how i really started becoming aware of that Um, i would listen to the, the the international services of the bbc and the voa targeting africa and i would hear about all these countries over there and what was going on Uh, that's how i really started following ebola at the time and that's just that's what sparked my interest in uh, again geopolitical stuff so you still hear some interesting things on the airwaves again lots of just interesting shows that anyone could do and then you also hear these big international broadcasters that give you more perspective of inform- and information about what's uh, going on in uh, in their neck of the woods, so to speak. So yeah, number one, there's still more more out there to listen to than you think. I think there's more people out there in the U.S. that still listen to shortwave radio than you would think, and I just say that because I've been doing my broadcast for six years now, and I still hear from new people every single week, so clearly, I mean there would have to be some people left out there, you know, if I'm still hearing from listeners, new ones at that. And also, though, I think shortwave radio is a very important fallback to have. You know, I hope everyone understands what it is, at least understands the gist that, yeah, in a situation, because the signals reach so far, if something happens in your area, if you lose power, you lose internet, if there's social unrest, if there's censorship if there's severe weather, whatever. And local infrastructure goes down, there are fallbacks, one of which is radio. Because so few people know what shortwave radio is. It's important, I think even vital, but people just need to be better versed about it, and you even just need to know the bare basics. You know, that's it. And again, with some folks out there feeling a bit uncomfortable now, agree or disagree, I saw and I realized, well a lot of people just kind of understand that it has something to do with radio, but everyone is lost after that. No one really knows what it is. So I thought, well, I guess it's an excuse. I could give another lecture about it. And um, hopefully no one will want to blow their brains out after this, but, you know, who knows. Now, knowing what the medium is, how easy is it to listen? Because the other thing I, I think that we don't really know off the top of our heads, what does a shortwave radio even look like, you know? It is not, contrary to popular belief, you know, this 50-pound, big metal brick-looking thing. Um, Now, some ham radios can look like that, and some real vintage shortwave radios from, like, the 50s and 60s can look that way. But most radios that I recommend look nothing like that. The radio that I use every single day And actually, I'm looking at it right now. I have it set up at my bedside. And, you know, it's a Texun PL660 receiver. It's small. Not, you know, it's just, it's small. It's a pocket radio. It doesn't even weigh probably more than a pound. It just needs a couple AA batteries. The batteries are even rechargeable, which is even better. Just has a little antenna that's it it's not there's some there's some radios that are smaller than a smartphone i mean these aren't huge you know big bulky things that get in the way of everything they're not they're much sleeker than you think that's the other thing i think when people think of shortwave radio you think of this giant brick looking thing um but the technology really has gone has um gone further than that and they, they've improved now radios are simple they're portable they're maneuverable, they're durable, they're effective. In short, they do a good job. If you are interested in getting a shortwave radio, maybe think about it, you know, consider it. Number one, if you want any more information, I will send you in writing, and I reply to all of this stuff because I have a passion for this medium, if you couldn't tell, and um, I enjoy doing this. So number one, if you want any more information on it, uh, just shoot me an email, V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. If you have any questions, uh, send them over. If you want recommendations for a radio to get, number one, you can find at least, you, look, you don't have to get them from here. All right, it helps the show, but I really don't care. Don't wait for availability on Amazon or anything. Um, I really just get the radio wherever you get it. I really don't care. But I recommend uh, going to Amazon.com/slash/shop/slash/the report of the week. That's Amazon.com/slash/shop/slash/the report of the week, and there you will find um, just a page of some radios. This isn't really a serious storefront. It's just just some random stuff that I, I threw together and just put up there. It's not any. It only. Makes me a couple pennies each month anyway, but it's just something I I I slap together for fun every now and then, honestly. Um, But at the top of the page, you'll see a bunch of radios there that you can check out. Um, The two that I recommend the most are the first two that you see. The Texun, that's T E C S U N, P L three ten E T, or the Texun P L three eighty. So those are two real good radios. Um, I really recommend those the most. But there are other brands as well that are pretty good. Sea uh, Crane is a good brand. Uh, Eaton is a good brand. Grundig is good. Kato um, makes some good radios too. There's one radio out there that's the cheapest one. Um, it's called the Reticus V115. But just understand that you're sacrificing quality for price. I would recommend spending a little more if you can and get one of the texan radios Um, but if you can't afford anything else and you're comfortable with that just knowing that you're getting something that you know you won't be able to hear as much but like again if everything else is gone something is better than nothing right so it's up to you but just understand with that radio you're sacrificing quality for price but you can check out that page but i would be more than happy if you just want the recommendations in writing, um, I'll send them to you in writing so you know exactly how it's spelt, how you could find it, whatever. Um, if you want reception tips or whatever, I, you know, that's fine too. For instance, like, look, at, look at it this way, right? I have this radio here next to me. And let me plug it in right now. This is an older radio. It's from the 50s. You know, it's um, AM and FM, but it, you know, this is a good example. So like, listen to this, when I turn the radio on, because I know that my computer charger makes a lot of interference, okay, and this is AM radio, but it's pretty much, it, it behaves the same in terms of interference, so listen right now at what it sounds like. You hear, you hear how awful that sounds? So now let me go ahead and unplug this charger. All right, and let me move it out of the way. And now let me turn the volume back up on this radio, and now listen. Later today, the Fed will release its so-called Beige Book Survey of regional economic conditions. As we wait for that, S&P futures have turned negative now by four points. NASDAQ down 12. See, it sounds so much better. And obviously some differences like that, right? That will make a huge difference in terms of a station that is otherwise completely unlistenable um, versus a station that's coming in very clearly, literally just plugging or unplugging a charger. Cause sometimes, I mean, not all chargers are that bad, but I know like this one for this laptop just generates so much interference. So I would be more than happy to just give some advice uh, in terms of just general reception stuff as well, and so you can get a better signal. So anyway, I'm here to help. Um, If you have any questions or concerns or comments about shortwave radio, you're welcome to reach out to me at vorwinfo at gmail.com. Otherwise, you know, in regards to current events and stuff that's going on, I I don't really have that much to say because what is there to say that hasn't been said already, you know? Why sit there and give the same spiel that's been given a million other times before, you know? What does it matter? It doesn't. So, no point in just discussing what's already been discussed to to the end of time. Everyone has their view on it. Everyone knows what's going on in this country. All I think again is that I don't think we're going to go to civil war. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, now, when I say civil war, because someone was saying, "Oh, you, you know, you've, um, um, you idiot! Can't you see that this is a civil war right now?" But I don't mean it that way. When I say civil war, I am talking about let's say something akin to what you're seeing right now in Syria, where the entire country and life itself is upended. Um, you have tanks in the streets. You have guys, you know, with these technical pickup trucks riding around with machine guns, potential airstrikes, um, you know, total destruction of infrastructure, you name it. I'm talking about that sort of civil war. All right, that's what I mean when I say civil war and why I don't think that the U.S. is ever going to ever gonna get to that point. Um, now, if you want to talk about divisions in society you know, the polarization between the left and the right and if you want to call that a metaphorical civil war well, hell yeah, yeah, sure (laughs) then we already are in one maybe in a verbal civil war um, in terms of looking how we view each other right, it's not the left or the right anymore Um, you know, it's like It's even further than good versus evil. It's like, this is us versus the enemy, okay? That's the mindset. But this civil war is fought online. Harsh words online. That's the battlefield right now, pretty much, for for most people. There's a few people that do things, but most of the time, that's how it's fought. Uh, Social media, the social media civil war. So I mean if you want to argue about that all day then fine I'm I'm more than happy to uh to discuss that. I just don't think that you know you're going to have tanks rolling down the street and all that stuff in a territorial civil war, you know? I just don't think we're ever going to get there. So I mean again, you know, what is there what is there to say that hasn't been said already, right? There's not all that much. Um it's just do we there's nothing to say, honestly. We're going through a really rough time right now. And uh, we're not at the end of it yet. It's going to get worse before it gets better. But, you know, just remain steadfast through it all. You're listening to VORW International. One other subject completely unrelated to any of this stuff. Um, just interesting. I finally... I think of regular listeners know I'm not a moviegoer, I'm not a movie person I don't really watch a lot of movies that's just the way that I am um, so as a result a lot of classic films even from the 90s and whatnot I haven't seen I've seen very few movies but that's why it's always interesting to watch some of these things so one film that I finally got around to watching was the 1998 film, The Truman Show, you know, the Jim Carrey movie. And now I knew what the film was about. I knew the plot, pretty much. And I had seen a few clips of it here and there. So I finally decided to, you know, sit down and just watch the whole thing, the whole film, the whole thing. And now I enjoyed it. I thought it was very well done. I liked it. I thought it was a good movie and, um, I certainly recommend it to anyone who didn't see it already, but the thing that I just disagree with, I don't think, it depends on how you look at it, honestly. They consider this film to be a science fiction comedy drama, but after watching it, I mean i consider it just analyzing the film uh to be hor- a horror movie honestly it's uh scary it's uh scary to me anyway you know obviously it has its it's not any sort of uh you know it's not overtly scary there's no scary scenes or any jump scares or any of that none of that um but it's just the plot the premise, the concept, and all of that is, uh, horrifying. My goodness, it is. And, uh, obviously... I mean, just here's a brief synopsis. It doesn't really give anything away, because this is, you know, the whole film. Uh, Truman Burbank is the unsuspecting star of The Truman Show, a reality television program broadcast live around the clock worldwide. He has spent his entire life in the seaside town of Seahaven Island, in reality an enormous set visible from space situated near Hollywood on Mount Lee, and equipped with state-of-the-art technology to simulate day and night and weather conditions. There are 5,000 cameras to record his every move, and, you know, everyone there is an actor except for him, and he has no idea That his entire reality is fake he thinks that this is just his life he doesn't know that he's on camera he doesn't know that he's part of a show he doesn't know that everyone around him is an actor he doesn't know that everything around him is controlled and directed by people you know in a control room and that it's broadcast to tens of millions of people around the world that is horrifying oh my god that is just petrifying honestly To me, it doesn't get any scarier than that. That the entire world around you is fake, and that everyone around you is a liar, is putting on an act, your every move is watched and analyzed, and life itself is controlled and directed by a group of individuals behind the scenes playing God. So to me, the whole concept is scary. There's one, there's a few scenes in the film also that they explain the way the Truman Show makes money is through product placement. And um, pretty much everything in his world is sponsored by various companies and is available for sale one touch that was kind of creepy but funny in the, at the same time was you know every now and then at random points in the in the film they'll blatantly do the product placement you know they'll hold up a you know try to recommend them a certain coffee and they'll say well why don't you try you know this coffee um you know specifically brewed you know in these mountains and uh available here that's it's just, you know, they put the product placement right, right there in your face and, uh, you know, certainly has a good ending and all that, but it's, um it was a good film. I mean, it's inoffensive, nothing wrong with it. it. Takes place in the late 90s, so of course, all the suits and stuff everyone have on in the film are great. Of course, I'd wear it all. So it's nice. But it's just the, the concept, you know, that creeps me out. You know, it's scarier to me than a lot of the overt um, horror movies. But, you know, when you start thinking about it, there certainly are parallels that you can draw between that movie uh, and the real world, of course. Now, granted, I know that the world around me right now um, is not one big television set. You know, because in the film, Truman is prevented from from ever leaving the island that he's on. Um, You know, specifically, they instilled uh, aquaphobia in him, so he's terrified of water. And he did that so he could never leave. And he's trapped there, pretty much. And, um, you know, like, I know for a fact, of course, I'm not in some big television set, you know, it's... I just traveled myself, you know, it's, it's... uh, No, so I know that, and I know that you know, the people around me are genuine, you know, no actors or anything, but, you know, outside of that, um, one parallel you can draw from that film to the real world is, for instance, you know, how much of society is genuine, you know, how much of it is really uh, one form of theatrics or another, right? That's debatable. Obviously, though, there are lots of, you know, there's some fakery in this world, I'll tell you that up front. So number one, how much of what you see day to day uh, is really just a facade, you know, more than you think. But there's nothing we could do about it. And then you know, obviously a lot of things in this world are manipulated um you know, intentionally by various individuals, you know, in in positions of power. And I know there are folks out there again who call the shots and are kind of like the one guy in the movie who's like the creator of everything who do this sort of stuff. And I mean, I could go on and on. I think sometimes it's just tough to explain this stuff without sounding like you've gone off the deep end or whatever. But I think what creeped me out about it is number one, just the concept in general. But secondly, the fact that you could draw parallels, legitimate parallels between the film uh, and, and the world we live in, you know, the real world so i think i think that's why that um that hit home there but if you haven't given it a watch i recommend it Uh, it's not too long of a film it was like an hour and 30 hour and 40 minutes long so you know it's something you could just watch in an evening at some point but um yeah the 90s the 90s was a good decade for film in my opinion lots of good movies came out in that decade Um, surprisingly few, which I've seen, though that goes for any decade. I really am not a movie person, but as a result, then, when I finally go ahead and see it, usually I'm prompted to one reason or another. And then I'm really just able to fully, you know, hopefully get the most out of it. So with that, I think those are all the tangents and, you know, ramblings, probably incoherent, It's probably all totally incoherent. Honestly, it's, it's like, I don't know why people even listen to this. What, what does someone get out of tuning in for two hours of this? You know, probably an hour and a half, however long this is. I don't know. I don't know. I enjoy recording them, but how can someone enjoy listening to this? I don't understand it. <laughs> Who knows? I'm amazed that this show is even is, I don't know how people listen to it. I really don't. But it's a pleasure to have even one person tuned in because your dedication is is truly admirable. And I, I don't even say that as a joke. I, I don't. I say that 100% serious. Your dedication is truly admirable because the fact that folks put up with this, I know this meandering discussion, this you know, raving stuff about shortwave and broadcasting and movies and current events and stuff. I don't know. I don't know how you do it, but to those of you who listen, no matter why it is that you listen, whether you tune in to go to sleep or if you listen intently or if you just kind of leave this show on in the background while you go about your business or whatever, I don't really care why uh, anyone listens, but just the fact that someone does really means a lot to me, and I hope you know that. Zero people listened to this. I wouldn't, I wouldn't spend the time at a microphone. I wouldn't do this. So it's folks like you that even if you're, if you're hearing this right now and you're listening, thank you, a huge thank you to you. Because just know simply by your act of listening, you're keeping this show going. So I hope you know how much I appreciate it and appreciate you as a listener, as an individual. You all are a fantastic audience. To tell you the truth, probably the best audience I've ever had. So thank you for, for being a listener to this show. Coming up next is a segment of this broadcast that I like to call the mailbag show, where we read and respond to listener correspondence. Um, this, this part of the show is completely random. I'm just going to open up my email, see what there is, and we'll read what we read. If you'd like to participate in this and it's always a pleasure to hear from you you can write in to v o r w i n f o at gmail.com again that's v o r w i n f o at gmail.com any questions any comments any pieces of feedback any correspondence could be totally miscellaneous in nature um, anything that you have to share or discuss doesn't bother me. Is welcome. can talk about your day. You can talk about something interesting you read, something you saw in the news, a movie you watched, anything. Any questions, any topic uh, suggestions, anything you want to discuss is uh, more than welcome. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. Again, V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. If you would be interested in uh, creating and submitting a piece of fan art, you can uh, make it any style that you want. It's up to you. Uh, just go to town any, any, any piece you want. Um, but if you want to make a piece of fan art, all I ask is that you submit it via email to vorwinfo at gmail.com. Send it as an attachment to the email or if you would like to upload it to a third party image hosting site uh, then you could certainly do that and uh, from there you know i'll download it all i ask is that you let me know how you want to be credited Um, it could just be by name but if there's like an instagram profile you want to uh, link a social media account a website that you have your work on or whatever let me know how you want to be credited because, of course, you deserve it for making a piece of fan art so people know who you are, where to find more if uh, if that's what you'd like. So that's all that I ask. All right, with that, let us break open the mailbag. Let's see what there is to read and discuss. All right, and our first email of the show uh, comes in from Adam, who writes, Hey, review bra. These past few weeks, I've been having paranoid thoughts, mainly of spiders crawling on me while I sleep, as well as demons and or spirits barging in and terrorizing me, although the latter is less common. I have been wondering if these thoughts are common amongst people, or if it's just been me. Have you had these sort of thoughts in the past, and if so, how have you dealt with them? Apologies if topics like these are too heavy for the podcast from Adam. Well, thank you, Adam, for corresponding. Now, in terms of the prevalence of such thoughts, um, that is debatable. There are lots of people that never really think such things, um, but there are folks who do. And, you know, here's the problem. Sometimes people will discriminate against you, especially with paranoia. They'll say, oh, it's stupid. There's no, you know, they don't understand. They don't get it. I can say... Uh, Just from experience, I have had those thoughts, and I still do. Um, Yes, I, you know, it's just something that I don't dwell on very often. Um, But my mind is a combination of anxiety. Uh, But mixed in that, mixed in with that anxiety is a whole ton of paranoia. And it's one of those things, because you can talk about anxiety... Uh, That's something that a lot of people just can relate to. Um, You can even talk about depression, you know, a lot of people have felt down here and there. But when you start getting onto paranoia, that's where you start to lose some people, you know, because people can relate and understand if you say, well, I am, you know, I have fears of, let's say, going into a crowded restaurant or something because of all the people looking at you, right? Social anxiety, etc. Um, But if you say, you know, well, like in my instance, I look outside and I see a car sitting, you know, on the street, Uh, a part of my mind instinctively fears the worst and wonders, well, what is it? Um, You know, is it someone stalking me? Could it be um, someone monitoring me? Is it just a car? Uh, Et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, yeah, I've had all these sorts of things. It's one of the reasons why I really don't go out very much, um, because I'm not very, I guess, not very trusting of the, the outside world. So yeah, such things are daily life. How do I deal with it, though, you know, because I still just live my life? Uh, I try to just ignore it. I try to understand, I guess I've gotten so used to it, I kind of catalog certain things in my mind and if you remember in the last show remember what i was saying and might have not even been in the last show it might have been in the one before that but there was a segment where i was talking about practicalities and worrying about everything and i was discussing there was a train in the distance and i think you could hear the train horn and i was saying well look at it this way you know what is it more likely that it's just a train Or that, you know, if it's a, is it a train full of, you know, highly trained Navy SEALs that are coming up to uh, assassinate me or something, right? What makes more sense? Uh, What's the more logical thing? So I have, I just always call it the what-ifs, you know? I'll look out at something, I'll think to myself, well, what if it's this, what if it's that? Constantly, but it's like it's going on in the background and I just catalog and more often than not I uh, just ignore it and I say all right well this guy in front is just a worker he's just you know you could see the decals on the truck you could see that he's got an orange vest on you can see that he's got a ladder Um, well is it someone disguised as a worker or is it just a regular worker right and it's usually the latter and I think some people might say well I don't think there's really any reason to look at the world this way. There's some truth to it, but, you know, personal experiences have kind of reinforced these tendencies. And we all know that the world, you know, in and of itself is a, uh, is a twisted place. I say that, you know, better to keep your guard up than not. But it's all about managing it, and then does it get in, in the way of the quality of life? Um, for instance, most of my worries just involve people and organizations, and, uh, all of that stuff, not really, uh, the paranormal or the supernatural. So if it gets to the point where you can't manage it anymore, and you're losing sleep, you're missing work or school or, or you know, going anywhere because, let's say, you're worried about demons, and it is having a definitive negative impact on your quality of life I would recommend and don't take this the wrong way I would recommend seeing a psychiatrist sometimes these fears and you know the paranoia can be legitimate sometimes it it isn't I get paranoid about insects too you know I the other day I saw a centipede and now what do I always do whenever I go into a room I kind of scan the walls real quick you know I always look and see because look those things are creepy and of course you don't want to have one of those things fall on you when you fall asleep um you know so I I get it I I, I'm there with you Uh, it just depends all about balance can you manage it effectively if you can't is it getting the best of you is it driving you crazy um is it getting in the way of your life you can go to a psychiatrist and they can they can give you some things that could hurt that could certainly calm you down and and help out that's up to you but i will say everything has its benefits and its drawbacks um you know and and they would know best i mean for instance right you want to talk about different things benzodiazepines of course can relax you can help can calm you down a bit i think those work very good in the immediate but you can build up a tolerance pretty quickly, and you could they, they are habit forming. And addiction to those things, the withdrawal is a living hell, believe me, it's uh it's tough. But that's just something they don't tell you. But those do those do work. SSRIs, though, are very different from person to person. And Sometimes they can make you better, sometimes they can make you worse. Sometimes you gotta switch from one to the next. Similarly to SSRIs, antipsychotics are very similar. A lot of the side effects on those can be iffy. And again, some work better than others. Some mess you up more uh, than they help, but others do a good job. So, that's the thing, it all depends. And everyone's different. Like me personally, I manage everything on my own without um any prescription drugs you know i've tried them in the past and it's just not for me and having been there i just feel like i'm better handling it you know by myself but there's nothing wrong with with kind of if it gets in the way of things getting that extra that extra help there's nothing wrong with it no shame in doing that and it's purely it's purely your decision Uh, You know, it's a case-by-case basis, and I just wish you the best of luck. Believe me, as I said, I've been there, and I wish you the best of luck. This next email is actually uh, for the shortwave broadcast, um, but I just thought it would be interesting to share on this show, at least an excerpt of it. It comes in from Ronnie, who writes, I've been having a lot of negative, intrusive thoughts lately and want to share a technique I've been using to get them out of my head. I close my eyes... And in my head, I capture the thought or scenario in a bubble. As I breathe in, the bubble expands. And when I breathe out, I visualize the thought bubble exiting through my mouth. It seems that deeper-rooted, fearful thoughts get stuck halfway out. When this happens, I repeat the process but use a more forceful breath and open my mouth wider until it's out. After it is out, I open my eyes and name a few different objects around me to make sure I'm regrounded in reality. Now, maybe this sounds crazy, but it's been working like magic for me. Another thing to note, any intrusive thoughts that pop up repeatedly, I take a deeper look at in meditation. They're usually tied to a past trauma, just in a different presentation. Feel free to share this information if you deem it useful. Well, thank you, Ronnie. And, you know, here's the way that I look at this stuff. A lot of folks are very judgmental individuals. And they'll say, oh, it sounds this way, it sounds that way, it obviously can't work. Clearly it works for you. And if it's having a positive effect, my goodness, keep doing what you're doing because it's something that works. And sometimes you have these thought exercises, these things you can do, these types of meditation, relaxation techniques, etc., that when you first imagine it, or you first hear of it, you think, oh, there's no way this can work. Then you finally decide to try it. And it works. (laughs) It really does. You know, I have have different techniques myself that, and I'll have to try this one just for the, the sake of doing so. I'll give it a shot. I know that intrusive thoughts are the worst. (laughs) You know, you just want them to go away. I was thinking, one thing that I wish, I think more people were perhaps receptive to, one capacity or another, you know, there's all different types of meditation, Um, but I wish people were more receptive to meditation. I think one of the issues is that meditation, in my opinion anyway, requires patience and an open mind. Unfortunately, the way this world is, primarily society, I'm not saying everyone is this way, but we're so used to everything being so fast and immediate. You know, we're in an instant gratification culture. We want everything to happen our way, and we want it to happen now. And if it doesn't, we're fed up, it obviously doesn't work, etc. I think for meditation to be effective, you can't have that mindset. You can't really go into it, you know, with a sense of being insincere and just saying, you know, I want results, and expecting to sit there and just let it do the work for you. I think you will need some patience. Patience. You will need some discipline. You will need to have an open mind. Don't expect results. Just let it happen. Whatever that might be. That's my view. That's how I try to look whenever I, I try to do little meditative exercises. I say, look, I'm not going into this to expect, you know, 30 minutes later to be a different person or to have these issues go away. But whatever happens, happens. And at the very least, I might be a bit calmer and relaxed than when I went into it. And it works. I think the problem is that meditation, again, I think it is effective. It's not a cure-all, but it could certainly help the mind in, in some capacity. Unfortunately, the entire practice of meditation, I think, directly clashes with a lot of how this world is. Because again, you go into it, you want you want quick results, you're not going to get it. And then, yeah, it's going to be a waste of time, and you're, you're going to sit there and you'll be, what's the point of this? Well, there really isn't any. It's all, I think, the mindset going into it as well. Just try to be open-minded and let it take its course, whatever that may be. So thank you, Ronnie, for your email. Jack, in Manchester, England... Uh, He just said, uh, I just want to say you're a huge inspiration for me to start my own YouTube channel. Goes by the name, The Snackhead Cowboy. I've been uploading content since 2019. I currently have 95 subs. So this year, I'm hoping to get 150. Wanted to ask, do you ever keep an eye on the fast food releases we get here in the UK? I recently reviewed the new Katsu Curry McNuggets. And they were great. So Jack in Manchester. Thank you, Jack. Uh, I, you know, I can't say keep up to date completely, but I do keep track of them here and there. And I have heard of those nuggets and they sounded really interesting. So uh, thank you for writing in. I wish you the very best of luck, by the way, with your channel. My, My best advice for you is to just keep doing, you know, keep doing what you enjoy doing. Upload regularly. You know, maybe keep it at a schedule or whatnot. And uh, just keep, you know, put your best foot forward. Keep on keeping on. And as long as you enjoy what you're doing, that's the most important thing about it. You know, when I started my YouTube channel, I started it in 2011. I made videos every single week. You know, that's why it was the report of the week. Because it was a weekly thing. And I did videos every single week up until early 2013 and in that span of two years i only had 200 subscribers and that was it but that didn't stop me from doing what i liked doing i enjoyed the videos i had a lot of fun with it and uh, that's what matters in the end so as long as you enjoy doing the reviews put your best foot forward you know just keep uh, uploading regularly interact with their community and uh, i think you'll have that 150 subscribers in no time so best of luck to you my friend next email comes in from andrew in tampa florida listener since 2018 i was wondering if you knew of a virtual reality game called vr chat no i haven't um i i haven't so you continue Recently, on New Year's, the player count has peaked to the highest it's ever been, with about 60,000 players. The community on this social game has been growing fast ever since the pandemic started. Since people are social beings, VR chat was one way to meet new friends and have a taste of social interaction without going outside or leaving your own room. You can either play the game on desktop mode with a mouse and keyboard or you could enhance your social experience by putting on a virtual reality headset with hand controllers. You can have an even better experience with devices on your hip and feet to track motion on those areas. People have even gone as far as pretty much living in this game because they spend so much time on it. I was wondering what your thoughts are on virtual reality slash augmented reality and the future of socializing in such realms. Um, well, Andrew, you're probably not gonna like this. Number one, if someone wants to play VR chat, go ahead. By all means, I'm not gonna tell you what to do. I, since I just answered this in the last uh, show that I did, I recommend just taking a look at that. And I think it will be, um, it'll be said far more concisely and uh, eloquently than I can say it right now. I am not a fan, you know, here's my fear. My fear is just that VR and virtual reality, augmented reality, etc., it's going to go so far that eventually we create this perfect reality in, you know, this realm and we neglect the world around us as a result and we live in this dystopian nightmare where we've sold our souls out to this fake paradise let the real world just completely fall apart and then you know what happens if if the vr reality um i don't know what if it's exploited what if it's used for control i don't know so i just have i think vr and stuff is going to be the future whether i like it or not and i'm just gonna have to be dragged into it kicking and screaming but hopefully that future personally i hope it's a ways away you know it'll happen when it happens but if it does um hopefully these fears won't be realized and hopefully it'll be better than what i think about it so we'll see. Very interesting either way. I'm, I'm not surprised, you know, with the lockdowns and stuff, why this has uh, become so popular. It makes perfect sense to me. This listener goes by the name Soup, uh, who says, If you haven't spoke with your primary care physician or a dietitian, you may want to. I've had dental trauma issues and it took work to get my body used to absorption again chugging in, sure, a couple times a week anyway. So thank you for your, for your uh, concern, Soup. And I think I'm doing all right. I think I'm doing all right. Um, you know, if something's horribly wrong with me, then something's uh, horribly wrong with me. But, no, thank you for your care, though. I mean, I'm still here. I'm still doing all right. All right, next email comes in from... Kath, who says, San Francisco loves you. Hey, when I was in college, we used to get Taco Light at Taco Bell. They were awesome. They won't make them anymore um, because they they were more calories. I make my own now uh, with soft tacos in oil on the stove and then add my fixings. Uh, Next time you're there, maybe suggest. We love you. I seriously would have voted for you. Um my best Christmas gifts were your mug and t shirt, which I'm wearing right now. So uh thank you very much, Kath. Uh, thank you for your kind words. And um for mentioning the Taco Light at Taco Bell. I looked that up and that definitely was a um that definitely was a thing. They had it Curious when they had it until. So this was mostly during the 80s, but maybe, maybe they still had it in the 90s, I'm not sure. Very interesting, though, yeah, and how they said, um, you were were right on the money there, that, uh, a lot of people thought that it was almost a, uh, like a diet taco type of thing, you know, because you think, because I think it was spelled taco light, or, uh, light, L-I-T-E, I think the spellings were interchangeable, so, um, really interesting though that a lot of people of course had the impression that this was something for you know folks who might be a little more health conscious when really it was the exact opposite this that is actually extremely high in calories so you know it really you know it kind of waned in popularity rather quickly i suppose at that revelation so really interesting thank you for your kind words all right so i've taken a short break from recording, Uh, for some reason, and I think this is just, I don't know, maybe it's just the acoustics or something, maybe it's just me, I feel like I have, I don't know, my voice sounds weird, but then I re-listened to the tape like five or six times, and I don't hear what I think I hear, so I just, I don't know, I don't think it's a big deal, but I apologize if there really is some sort of issue with my voice right now. Just doesn't sound right, somehow. But I don't know. Nothing I can do about it. I tried, you know, clearing my throat and drinking down lots of water. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's okay in the end. But, um, well, let's continue on. We have an email coming in from Daniel in Ancaster, Ontario, Canada. I'm a big fan of the show and I've been watching for about a year now. I really like the shows about cryptids and the supernatural. I was wondering how you would prepare or what you would do if aliens showed up. Do you think it's likely that they would show up anytime soon? And if so, would it even surprise you with the way 2020 went and how 2021 is going so far? Keep up the great work. Your shows are always something I look forward to. So thank you, Daniel. Well, aliens, you know, to me... All right, and this is just my two cents, but I don't think there is necessarily anything that I could do to prepare for aliens. Because here's the thing, right, that we all need to consider in regards to extraterrestrial life, should they wish to visit Earth. What are their intentions? Well, we don't know. So therefore, how can you necessarily prepare through something that you don't really even know what to expect. So in the end, to me, there is no way to prepare in any way, shape, or form if aliens were to show up. And I would assume that if aliens were to show up, providing they had the technology to visit Earth, you know, nothing that I would do to prepare would even matter at this point. I think it's the epitome of a situation that you say, well... You know it's out of my hands because it really is there's like there's nothing that you can do to better yourself when we don't even know what their intentions would be so in that regard i'm just kind of resigned to fate and it's like well if they are benevolent that's great and if they offer peace and goodwill and you know whatever that's fantastic And if they are here to destroy us, well, then that's what they're gonna do and they're probably gonna succeed at it. You know, there might be different types of aliens. There might be good aliens that really do want to be harmonious with other species and groups, you name it. Um, But there might be others that just kind of want to destroy everything and are more uh, sick than anything we could ever conjure up in terms of their actions. So, You know, it's just to try to gauge, well, how exactly would they react to humanity? You don't know until they do. So, in my instance, my philosophy toward aliens and alien visitations, if they ever were to show up, is pretty much whatever happens, happens. Um, Because nothing I can do about it, you know, will. Uh, You know, will change or, or do anything. Do I think that they'll show up anytime soon? I highly doubt it. I don't think so. I think if extraterrestrials are aware of Earth, uh, they're kind of just doing a wait and see type of observation as opposed to any sort of grandiose, you know, there they are coming in and, you know, and, uh, and so forth. Um, it's more along the lines of observations if, if they really are out there and they're aware of us. And granted, I mean, Earth is really making an awful lot of noise in terms of all of our communications, so who's to say? But, you know, that's just my view. I remember there was this one guy, I don't know, was he Israeli? He was saying that the aliens communicated with Earth and they have some sort of a galactic council and this and that and the other thing. I I don't think that's real but I think it's interesting either way. We have an email coming in from Uriah who says, "'This is my first time writing into the show. "'I just wanted to ask for your thoughts "'on a topic that is getting getting a lot of press "'at the time I'm writing this. "'What are your thoughts on increasing the minimum wage "'in the United States to $15 an hour? "'There is some speculation that it might increase "'the price of fast food and other commodities, which I know would affect you directly. And I thank you for your question. Minimum wage is an issue that's controversial. And let's be real. You can have one opinion or another and it's going to anger people. And it's going to... uh, Not having an opinion is going to anger people too really just existing and and not, you know, doing anything or how, you know, people are going to be angry at you one way or another, so what does it matter? Uh, minimum wage is one of those issues. Here's the problem. It's not the minimum wage that's an issue in terms of increasing it. It's the things that the powers that be are going to do that are going to cause more problems than the money itself, Right? if everything went as intended, raising the minimum wage is, yeah, by all means, go ahead with it. And it's not going to cause any problems. Uh, people that work very, very hard day to day, I mean, even a lot of minimum wage work uh, can, be, can be backbreaking in some cases. You know, it really depends on the job, but certainly there are lots of folks out there that put a lot of time and effort into what they do, and should be compensated more for it financially. Absolutely, this is a difficult economy right now for average people. Let's forget about Wall Street. So, uh, you know, in that regard, let's just say, yes, people do need to be uh, paid more, especially for some of the things that they do. If that's all that there was to it, a lot of the arguments that arise wouldn't even exist. It should be a no-brainer. Okay, fine. Here's the problem. I think the powers that be, they want people to stay in the positions that they're in. They want you to be trapped. They want you to be where you are. Remember remember this about money. Money is a multifaceted resource it can be used for a wide variety of reasons it can be used for the point of entertainment it can be used to obtain necessities it can be used for survival it can be used to advance one's status and position in the world and it could be used as a means of control to keep other people in low positions and it's actively used in that regard worldwide uh, you know to pretty much every single person Uh, money is used as a means of control and we just accept this as life right there's nothing you can you can do about it but and i just think and i know people will disagree with me on this that's fine I think that, again, some powers that be don't want people to have more money. So when the minimum wage gets suggested and increased hopefully, two things happen with it that go hand in hand. Number one, the prices of things go up just a little bit. Not really by a ton but they go up a little bit. And number two, a number of minimum wage positions seem to suddenly disappear. And all of a sudden, this technological innovation that we've been talking about and expecting for years and years, all of a sudden just happens to materialize. Oh, (laughs) just now, isn't the timing ever so convenient? That, oh, you know, look at this. <laughs> the technology developed that I guess these jobs that uh, previously paid the minimum wage aren't necessary anymore. Like how you know with the fast food restaurants, all the touch screens uh, instead of having cashiers started popping up everywhere. You think that was really done to try to make things <laughs> to make things a bit easier, or is it done just so that they can do away with a couple extra workers, a few few less people to pay, right? So unfortunately. When the minimum wage gets increased, and I I think it likely will be, I think it'll be increased to probably $15 an hour, or at least, you know, I think there will be an increase one way or another. The sad thing about it, though, it'll be like nothing ever changed. Now, there will be folks who will be helped out genuinely by increasing the minimum wage, But unfortunately, I just don't think some of the people in charge really want to get people out of poverty. Because mind you, poverty is a means of control. So in the end, I think it'll be raised, but I just wouldn't expect a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of good to come of it um, because you'll see these adjustments get made to offset that and they do this on purpose. So when you see that, just know that it's being done on purpose, and uh, you know why. So yes, I'm sure the prices of fast food will go up. The prices of everything will go up a little bit. Again, not a ton, but a little bit. But also at these fast food restaurants, there's going to be a few less workers there. Next question comes in from a listener in Malaysia. Hi, Bra. have you been approached by old friends slash strangers asking you to join a multi-level marketing? If you haven't, what are your thoughts on it? Should it disappear because it closely resembles a pyramid scheme? Now, I've never been approached by any old friends, because really, I don't really have any old friends, but... now Now, I've gotten plenty of emails from people who I'm sure try to get me into these things but I never respond to them I just always delete them immediately and uh, it's just not something that I would I would ever do that I would ever be interested in Uh, you know multi-level marketing not all of it and I'm not very familiar with it this is just my basic understanding they aren't all scams and they aren't all illegitimate Um, But it's pretty close to being uh, the case. I mean, most people that ever even participate in multi-level marketing barely make anything. It helps the folks at the top, it never trickles down. And again, in some cases, it's just an outright complete pyramid scheme. And uh, it's just not something that I really have a favorable view on. So I've never been approached by anyone personally you know, to join multi-level marketing. But, oh, you know, I get these emails that say they have a business offer. (laughs) And it's just, you know, I just never, I never, it's just shady, you know, it's just shady stuff. I always get a bad feeling about it. I just delete it on site. I'm sure I've been approached by a lot of them because unfortunately they see the numbers Here's the other thing, mind you, they look at this and they look at, let's say, the channel, they think, look at these suckers that we can get, you know? That's how they think of people. No, it's just not right. It's just not right. Though I've never been approached again personally, my answer is always the same. Two letters, a big capital N-O. Big no. We have Anders checking in. Hello from Illinois. John or Report of the Week, what do you prefer to be called? Uh, you can call me anything you want. You can call me John, you can call me Review Bra, you can call me Host, you can call me Lecturer, you can call me Review, you know, Report of the Week, anything. I don't really care. Um. The email, I wanted to write to you today. Here we go. I wanted to write to you today because I wanted to know what you think about the public school system and if you would change anything. Thank you and good day. Well, thank you very much for your email. Well, here's the thing. Again, these are subjects that I'm not all that versed on, but of course it needs adjustment. The curriculum needs to change. The quality of the education needs to change. Some of the schools need different technology. Teacher salaries need to change. The class sizes need to change. And then it's a case-by-case basis. You know, you have schools in different areas that have different needs, different... Student bodies. I mean you name it. It's a so There's no one answer for it, but the whole thing needs reform the whole thing needs to change Because unfortunately, you know with public school uh, Your mileage may vary Right. Where are you? What school are you going to? What's the quality of the education like there? Unfortunately, it's not a uniform answer Some are better than others. It's a shame and uh, education it's such an important precious thing and the fact that it's sometimes of such poor quality it really it's to our detriment you know sometimes again i wonder is that being done on purpose i have no ways to ever prove that that's just a suspicion you know kind of like the minimum wage thing sometimes they get conspiratorial but sometimes i wonder you know is that what they want do they want the education to be lacking in certain cases on purpose i don't know you know isn't it just sad though you've got the technology in some ways advancing as it is this beautiful encyclopedia the internet available at our disposal and in some ways, it's just squandered completely. You'd think, with all of this information at our fingertips, the world would be the smartest it's ever been. And I think some people would be shocked if they could see how it is today, you know, that it's not. Now I'm not saying that public schools are the worst thing ever. You know, I went to public school and I feel like my experience was sufficient but just because you have to look at it this way, just because you had a good experience doesn't mean that the entire system is good. You know, I was reading I was reading something the other day, I think two days ago, you know, documents from a teacher that works in a public school and his experience was completely different. I mean, with just the state of things. So that's why I say your mileage may vary definitely needs some reform. And one thing that I wish, uh, certainly, is that I, I wish that the school system did more about bullying. You have such degenerate behavior nowadays, and it doesn't seem to be getting any better, and it doesn't seem like there's any consequences to your actions. Now, in the world, well, well, Do actions have consequences? I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes, you know, it feels like in school, especially very young, you know, when you're real young. I'm talking elementary school and preschool. In the very early days, they try to instill, you know, to be a good person and that you have to follow the rules or you're going to be in trouble and to treat each other well, to treat each other respectfully, etc. But, all right, if you're a tiny little kid and you break those rules, uh, then there may be punishment, you know, from the school system or whatever. But then, even as you start getting older, this message seems to falter. And by the time, you know, you're in middle school or high school, and let's say a student is just a complete bully they treat everyone just with no respect they actively go out and hurt others Cyberbullying, you name it just dreadful social media posts they really do a lot of mental harm if not physical harm to some of their peers and the school does nothing about it they don't they it's like they don't care You know, they excuse these behaviors, they let them get away with it, but then, you know, you look at the world. After you get out of school, yeah, there's a legal system, that's true. I mean, the average person can't go out and, you know, just kill someone on the street, usually get away with it, you know, actions like that will have consequences. You know, it's that sort of stuff, I mean, isn't really tolerated. But then I wonder, what about the people really, you know, up at the top of the social ladder? Sometimes they feel like they can go out and do that stuff and get away with it time and again. It's like they get a free pass at everything. And of course, you know, if you just want to talk about degenerated behaviors, if you treat people like trash and you step on them, and you are as disrespectful as possible and you're cruel, you're insensitive, you're emotionless and you're completely selfish. And all you do is step on other people. Do you get a slap on on the wrist for that? Do you have any sort of repercussion? No, you get rewarded by society. You're praised. You're promoted, you're rewarded, and people want to be you. Um, So those behaviors are rewarded in this world. Uh, Psychopathy is a desired trait by a lot. I think that right there should tell you how messed up of of a world this is and how far gone we are. But back to the subject of schools, I remember... I saw, you know, when I was in high school some truly uh, abhorrent behaviors things that are inexcusable completely inexcusable. I'm talking sexual stuff, mind you. You know, things that I think especially today uh, could be considered You know, in some cases, at least at at a very, very minimum, sexual harassment. Um, Possibly as far as, you know, a degree of sexual assault. Was anything done about it? No. Did teachers and administrators know about it? Yes. Did they do anything about it? No. That's the problem right there. Forgetting even about the state of the world beyond school. You know, school is a time where... Lots of kids are in, you know, their formative years. And events that happen there can really leave a lasting impact on life. In the world, pretty much anything goes. Unless it's extremely serious. But school, I think, is one of the few opportunities, perhaps, to even try to instill a sense of morality and a sense of Just trying to be a righteous individual and show that actions have consequences, good or bad. And the fact when you see such things happen and no one does anything about it and they just let this stuff happen, very bad. It's very, very, very bad. You know, forgetting even about curriculum and all of that stuff, that's something that needs to change. ASAP. Bullying and all of the perversion in that, in that realm, they shouldn't just, you know, let it slide, put it under the rug. That needs to change. That'd be the first thing I would change. And then start working on everything else after that. It's just, what can you do? You know, what can you do? I know I said it earlier in the show. I know that this one is kind of, negative, this, this broadcast. But, you know, I've talked about this before. I'm not one of those people that is unnaturally positive. I, I think there's something kind of creepy about that, you know, to be like perpetually smiley 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, you know, you have your good days, your bad days, some days you're in a better frame of mind than others, but I think like the people who just say, oh, you know, just don't think about that, you know, just uh, you know, just smile. I don't know, I've just never been one of those people. And I had a few complaints the last show, and I'm sure I will again this time around. They say, well, you're too, you're too negative. I don't want to listen to that. I want to hear some positivity. But I, I've I've said this in the past, and I say it because I mean it, you know, I, I sincerely mean it. I try to balance things out. I try to, you know, have a mix of emotions. Uh, sometimes, you know, you it, it it's really the luck of the draw. Some shows will be more positive than others, but I've expressed that. I'm just not going to, you know, kind of take <laughs> take a coat hanger and uh shove it in my mouth and force a smile um because that's what you're supposed to do so i know that some shows are going to be more down in the dumps than others i figure this is one of those shows but in the end you know this is my broadcast and i'll conduct it as i wish it's just i don't believe in forcing emotions it's very it's creepy and robotic but There will be more, there there will be shows more positive down the line, I'm sure, you know. You need to have a balance. You can't look at everything with a smile on your face. You're not going to get the full picture or the truth about how this world really is. Sometimes I think, not always, but sometimes some negativity can be eye-opening in a sense. You just can't let that completely consume you. So that's why, you know, I always talk about balance because it's true. You need some, you know, some good and some bad. It can't just be one or the other. You can't be totally jaded, but you just can't be living, you know, in another world either. Um, yeah, just like this email. See, this, and this is true. I know this is how a lot of people might be feeling. Um, but this is a good, this kind of took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, Mike in Phoenix, Arizona writes, Uh, in regards to the predictions show. Thanks for sharing everyone's prediction. I've got to say it was a bit depressing to hear all the negativity. However, I do feel that it's best to prepare for the worst and hope for the best, right? And see, that's an honest view, you know? Yeah, I I know these shows can sometimes, I'm sure to some, be a bit down, be a bit of a downer, but that's how I try to look at things, you know? Prepare for the worst and hope for the best. Um, But anyway, continuing on uh, with this email, My question for you is, what's the most beneficial way for me to listen to the podcast in terms of your success, both listener-wise and monetarily? I normally listen on YouTube, but did so via a podcast app for the predictions show. I want to ensure I listen the most beneficial to you way. Uh, The only way that this show is ever even benefited monetarily um, is through YouTube listens, and YouTube only, uh, and that's it. I do not make a single cent off of any other platforms. Like if you tune in on any other platform, and I know I'm on a lot. I know I'm on, you know, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or whatever they call it these days—Google Music or, or something like that. I don't know. There, I know there's another name for it. Stitcher, Pocket Casts, TuneIn, Amazon Podcasts, iHeartRadio. If you tune in on the shortwave, if you tune in on AM Radio, I make zero dollars and zero cents from any play. You know, a 100,000 people could listen on any of those platforms, but there is no monetization on any of them. On YouTube, there's a little bit of monetization, but not a lot. A lot of content on the podcast channel because I talk about though the dreaded non-advertiser-friendly uh, current events, you know, and all of that stuff. Um, they either get demonetized or uh, the ad rate is very low. Uh, financially speaking, this is not a profitable show at all. Um, I'm very lucky to break even. That's why I've kind of started, thankfully, with these these uh, sponsors that help the show. It kind of helps it to break even a bit. But this is not a for-profit broadcast um, because there's no profit to be made. So I don't do this show to make money. Uh, I never have. There's no money to be made. I do this show because I like doing it. And I enjoy getting at the microphone here and uh, just sharing my thoughts. You know, same thing with the shortwave broadcasts. Uh, I think in all of the years i've been doing this i don't think it's ever once operated at a profit a lot of the time it just breaks even month to month and that's it but it's not this is not my bread and butter i put so much time to this because i like doing it i like sharing my thoughts and you guys are a fantastic audience um but really there's just no such monetary gain so if you do listen to the broadcast again theoretically Um, you know, the best way would then be via YouTube, but even then, you know, the impact of that is kind of debatable. Um, Plus, I know now, you know, the YouTube broadcasts, I just have to self-censor them, so you're not really getting the full show. I mean, in the end, just, uh, you know, just go with whatever, whatever platform you really want to go with. The only, the best way I would say otherwise uh, to support this show, just mind you that, number one, the advertisers who do advertise on it, um, I'm not saying like the regular ads, again, if something's monetized, but at the beginning of the show, the ads that I kind of voice over, they are a big help. So if any of their services interest you, um, certainly consider giving them your patronage. And otherwise, if anyone is feeling generous, of course, donations via PayPal to V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com are appreciated, or via Patreon at patreon.com slash the report of the week. Um, but that's it. You know, this show isn't the cash cow. It's just something that I do um, because I like doing it. And that that's all that there is to it. That's just one thing in regards to radio or podcasts... um, You know, there's an old saying in terms of of radio. They say radio never makes any money, and it's true. You know, just if you want to get into radio and do a podcast or a radio show, do it because you want to do it. um, Because financial motivation is non-existent. So it's just it's it's a good medium if it's something you're passionate about, which I am, I love doing the audio work. So that's why, like, that doesn't bother me. Um, That's why it's like, the, the all the time and effort I, I put into doing this, you know, again, like we were talking about with money, a lot of people I think are conditioned that money is literally everything. Now in this world of ours, yes, money is important and a lot of us can't survive without it, of course, right? You need it to survive, you have to pay rent pay bills um you know buy food and uh, necessities etc right that's just the way the world works but they act like money is literally everything now money is important does not equal money is literally everything but you know you got some people out there that act that way like they would look at me right now they would say well there's no money to be made here so uh, w- why why are you doing this then I would just say, well, because this is what I like doing. And then they'll revert back to saying, but there's no money to be made here. And you just, you're in an endless loop. You say, but that's what I like to, but there's no money, but I like doing it, but there's no money and it never ends. Um, so, you know, you just have to, it just comes down to, I guess, some common sense stuff. But no, this show is great. It's <laughs> It's wonderful to do. And, you know, you guys make it so wonderful. I know I can be a downer sometimes, and it's just you know the way of the world. I guess it just kind of has me in a negative uh, state of mind lately. It'll it'll get better eventually. You know I'm you can't you can't really force it to get better. It just will. I know it will. Um, my mindset. But thank you all for uh, not only your participation but your listenership for putting up with me here. And uh, I think you know that's why I do this show because of. Just all the wonderful, the wonderful folks out there that listen in. It's always a pleasure to get here and uh, be at the microphone for a couple hours and uh, do this. Derek writes in, just says, uh, you're one of the few people uh, I think of that may have some suggestions on this. And if you don't, that's okay too. I would like to find a little radio transmitter that's only strong enough for my home. Trying to jump from one Bluetooth device to another is super annoying, And I think I would rather just have a couple nice little radios in a couple different rooms to listen to. Radios I technically already own, so no huge investment in something like Sonos. I've done some research on and off, um, but it all just seems like a gray area on what I'm even allowed to use, if anything at all. If you've done a show on this topic already, I'd love to listen to it. So Derek, um, the good news, I do have an answer for you. And uh, I think you will be happy to know that if you want to have a small transmitter only for your house, just for radios, you know, in your house and you could air anything you want, that is perfectly 100% legal. You can do this. Uh, There is a, a, a certain rule that the FCC has called part 15. Alright, part 15, part 1 5, and it's for that purpose exactly. A part 15 device is uh, allowed by the FCC. It's an unlicensed device that may emit low powered radio signals on frequencies used by a licensed service. And uh, you can legally get away with it. So, you can have, for instance, an FM transmitter or an AM transmitter that is part 15. Now, it will transmit with such a low power. Um, so low, as a matter of fact, that it's, it's crazy. It can, it's less than one watt. So it is an extremely low power transmitter. And uh, it's exactly like what you're looking for. The range of the part 15 transmitter is usually just well, pretty much your house and that's it so that's why it is perfectly functional and legal and allowed uh for that reason exactly so derek just look up part 15 transmitter they sell them there's plenty of retailers that do uh you can take your pick am or fm and uh, you know you could program it you could air anything you want uh you are also of course not uh, forced to abide by the guidelines of the FCC either so don't worry about profane Programs or anything you're really it's just gonna be for an audience of one, you know you so air anything you want and uh, Part 15 in that regard is the way to go. So yes, you're allowed to do that. It's perfectly legal and uh, Don't worry about that at all so that's all that there is to it just again uh, so you don't run into any trouble with the FCC Uh, just try to get the transmitter from a reputable dealer and make sure that it mentions part 15. Because even certain FM transmitters can be low power, but they can go much further than you think. So if you're on eBay and you see a transmitter that says, you know, for FM and it's, uh, let's say, uh, a 50-watt FM transmitter, and let's say you're not very familiar with power levels, so you think, oh, you know, 50 watts, that's not much, you know, it's, what, a light bulb in some cases has more power than that, so, uh, yeah, 50 watts isn't much. I think that should just be enough to cover the house. You would be mistaken. You know, you would set up a 50-watt FM transmitter, and all of a sudden, the coverage of it is much further than you think. It covers, you know, a couple of miles, at least, pro- probably more, and now you're operating an illegal pirate station now in terms of pirate radio i'm not against it i actually support pirate radio um, but you have to be responsible with it you know don't interfere with anyone get a good quality transmitter that doesn't interfere with any other stations or frequency ranges so just have a clean signal don't bother anyone else don't get in the way of things and uh you know, that's all. If you're going to do a pirate station, just be responsible. Don't interfere with anyone or anything else. That's where I draw the line. Like, sometimes you have these pirate FM transmitters that are made very, very poorly, so the signal kind of splatters on other frequency ranges and causes interference. And unfortunately, right above the FM band is the aircraft band that lots of airports and commercial uh, and private airplanes use. So sometimes you'll get these pirate FM stations that have these cheap transmitters that their station interferes with the frequencies for airports. If that's the case, then I think the FCC should mercilessly go against them uh, because they're causing issues, right? They're literally causing the detriment of very important services. The good news though again is that if you get a part 15 transmitter that again is very very low power it's under 1 watt I mean it's like 0.0015 watts or something it's so low that it won't cause any interference to any of these services so don't even worry about it So it's a really good ser- it's a really good service um it's very useful and it's used especially uh, these days by lots of churches, you know, especially early on in the pandemic, right, when there were either strict occupancy limits, uh, to churches, or if they were shut down completely, uh, what a lot of churches would actually do is they would get a part 15 transmitter that would be, you know, just strong enough to, uh, you know, cover, let's say, the church parking lot, and have the congregation gather there. And then, you know, the the minister would pretty much say, all right, you know, tune to, uh, you know, 99.3 FM on your car radio and broadcast, you know, the sermon over that. And that's a legal way to do it. So I know, you know, in, in many of those cases, part 15 transmitters were uh, used extensively, you know, especially as the coronavirus was shutting everything down. Um, Part 15 is also used in some cases by some smaller uh, school and college radio stations. It's used by some realtors. They have what they call a talking house transmitter, which uh, is kind of, as you're driving by a house for sale or whatever, you know, you can listen on an AM or FM station and it talks about what all the, uh, you know, why you should spend all this money on this house etc uh another use of part 15 transmitters that some folks sometimes hear about during the holidays is uh and i remember this you know every now and then you'll sometimes see this where uh, you might have a house during christmas time that goes all out in terms of their christmas decorations and they have tons of lights and then they might say um you know, tune to, uh, again, like, you know, 92.3 FM on your car radio, and you'll hear, uh, you know, some Christmas music or something. And as you drive by their house, you look at all the lights, and you hear some Christmas music on the car radio. Sometimes you think, well, how exactly do, uh, do they do that? Do they do that legally? Well, they use a part 15 transmitter, and that's how you can do it. So, I even saw an example of that this Christmas. There was this one street that had all these christmas lights that were synced up and would all you know flash and kind of be coordinated to music and you can tune to an fm frequency and you can listen to the christmas music that it's all synced to and that's how they did it again through a part 15 uh, transmitter and they could do that legally that's you know if an fcc agent were there and drove down the street it's not a pirate station. It's perfectly uh, legal under those those guidelines. Now, theoretically, I mean, you can get very exact, and you can have devices that'll measure the signal after a certain distance, and you know, if it's over whatever, you know, whatever this level of microvolts per meter or something, then it's no longer Part 15 compliant. But again, most of these transmitters, it never gets to that point. If you buy an honest legitimate one you're not you're not going to run into any issues it will never be visited by the FCC don't worry about it so that's uh that's what it comes down to but yeah you're in you're in uh good luck that's how you do it and uh perfectly by the book no one will give you any problems for it and it's one of those things a lot of people don't really know that you can have yeah a mini radio station you're not going to reach anyone unless like you live maybe in you know, downtown New York City, and then you might be able to reach, you know, people in your apartment building and maybe the apartment building across the street or something, and, eh, you know, then you might get a couple of listeners. But for most folks, you know, you won't reach anyone, but this is just for personal use, really. Don't get a Part 15 transmitter and expect to, you know, suddenly get a high-rated radio station, because it won't reach anyone. Uh, then i think you'd be better off just doing something online or purchasing airtime but yeah for like for the reason you're talking about that's how it's done so uh very good wish you the best of luck there it's something you could do and i think it'd be a lot of fun there have been some thoughts of my own to maybe buy a part 15 am transmitter and set it up somewhere but i've kind of i i have no real reason to do that so i've kind of uh I thought, ah, no, it's just a waste in my circumstance. Barbara in Portugal writes in with a a suggestion. got a little tongue-tied there. Hey, Report of the Week, hope everything is fine with you. I've been subscribed to your channel for a year now, besides the very entertaining videos. Your style always interested me, because in a certain way, it's vintage. I think you have a very 30s-40s slash vibe in terms of style. Well, since I get that style from you... I would like to ask if maybe you can do a video slash podcast talking about the old stuff that fascinates you the most. You can go from old Hollywood to the personalities you admire the most, like actresses or singers. I'm pretty young, but I love to see things from the past. So thank you, Barbara, in Portugal for your suggestion there. Much appreciated. I know that the way I am is a bit of an anomaly. Um... In many ways I can be old-fashioned, but I don't really have any clear identity in terms of what, you know, time period I am. I, I don't know, I just am what I am. It's not like I can say I'm obsessed with, you know, the 1940s, right, and all I wear are 1940s suits, and all I listen to is big band music, and all I, you know, I only want to drive a 1940s car, and I only want to, you know, enjoy the pastimes that were popular then. You know, I'm not one of those people. I mean, I just am what I am. I'm, I don't know, I just, I, there's no word for it. I, I just simply am. <laughs> Yeah, some of the things that I like are old-fashioned. Shortwave radio is a medium that's pushing a 100 years old now. It's uh, It's been around a very long time. The clothing that I wear is not 1940s. It's actually modeled after the 1980s and 90s. But the clothing in the 1980s and 90s, uh, formal menswear I'm talking about, we're in a way modeled after the 1940s. And, uh, you know, it's like, I don't know, rip-off 1940s clothes. But that's one thing. Um, a lot of the music I listen to, though, is iffy. I will listen to a lot of classic rock, but I'll also listen to stuff from the 90s, the 2000s, and even the 2010s. I mean, uh, you know, this... Earlier I was listening to songs from 2019 then I was listening to some music from 2011 and then the next song I'm listening to is from the 60s so I mean I listen to some older music but I listen to lots of contemporary stuff too and uh, it's just like my I'm all over the place I guess I just am what I am um, but thank you for the uh, the suggestions suggestions of any nature are appreciated, so thank you for sending that in, Barbara. Good to hear from you. We have a next... Let's see what our next email is. Let's get a sip of water first. Oh, I know I'm going all out. This next email comes in from Dexter, who says, I'm a big fan of your work. Your radio show is helping me get through tough times in college. Here is a topic that you might be interested in discussing in your future broadcasts. So you include a little bit of a passage that I'll just read, and I'll let it speak for itself. It's from a report about megatrends and predictions for 2030. And, uh, well, before we get into that, you also have a question. Um, What did you major in in college? Well, when I went to college, I majored in communication. Um... But I don't really know if that would be a profession outside of YouTube that I would really actually go into, because one thing through all of that that I realized, especially in terms of communication, it's a profession that's very good for people who are very, very extroverted and love constantly being out and doing things and speaking to people and going here and there, and and that's not me, you know? I can talk at a microphone, but I'm just not one of those people, so I don't really think that's just, that's, that's anything for me. But, anyway, uh, so you send in this passage here, megatrends and related tectonic shifts. So this is predictions for 2030. Uh, the full report can be found at publicintelligence.net slash global trends 2030. So that's the full report. Megatrend 1, Individual Empowerment. Individual empowerment will accelerate substantially during the next 15 to 20 years, owing to poverty reduction and a huge growth of the global middle class, greater educational attainment, and better health care. The growth of the global middle class constitutes a tectonic shift. For the first time, a majority of the world's population will not be impoverished and the middle classes will be the most important social and economic sector in the vast majority of countries around the world. Individual empowerment is the most important megatrend because it is both a cause and effect of most other trends, including the expanding global economy, rapid growth of developing countries, and widespread exploitation of new communications and manufacturing technologies. On one hand, we see the potential for greater individual initiative as key to solving the mounting global challenges over the next 15 to 20 years. On the other hand, in a tectonic shift, individuals and in small groups will have greater access to lethal and disruptive technologies, particularly precision strike capabilities, cyber instruments, and bioterror weaponry, enabling them to pin enabling them to perpetrate large-scale violence capability, formerly the monopoly of states. Megatrend 2, diffusion of power. Diffusion of power among countries will have a dramatic impact by 2030. Asia will have surpassed North America and Europe, combined in terms of global power based upon GDP, population size, military spending, and technological investment. China alone will probably have the largest economy, surpassing that of the United States a few years before 2030. In a tectonic shift, the health of the global economy increasingly will be linked to how well the developing world does, more so than the traditional West. In addition to China, India, and Brazil, regional players such as Colombia, Indonesia, Nigeria, South Africa, and Turkey will become especially important to the global economy. Meanwhile, the economies of Europe, Japan, and Russia are likely to continue their slow relative declines. The shift in national power may be overshadowed by an even more fundamental shift in the nature of power. Enabled by communications technologies, power will shift toward multifaceted and amorphous networks that will form to influence state and global actions. These countries, with some of the strongest fundamentals, GDP, population size, etc., will not be able to punch their weight unless they learn to operate in networks and coalitions in a multipolar world. Megatrend 3, Demographic Patterns. We believe that in the world of 2030, a world in which a growing global population will have reached somewhere close to 8.3 billion people, up from 7.1 billion in 2012, four demographic trends will fundamentally shape, although not necessarily determine, most countries' economic and political conditions and relations among countries. These trends are aging, a tectonic shift for both the West and increasingly most developing countries, a still significant but shrinking number of youthful societies and states, migration, which will increasingly be a cross-border issue, and growing urbanization, another tectonic shift, which will spur economic growth, but could put new strains on food and water resources. Aging countries will face an uphill battle in maintaining their living standards, Demand for both skilled and unskilled labor will spur global migration, owing to rapid urbanization in the developing world. The volume of urban construction for housing, office space, and transport services over the next 40 years could roughly equal the entire volume of such construction to date in world history. And megatrend number four, growing food, water, and energy nexus. Demand for food, water, and energy will grow by approximately 35, 40, and 50 percent respectively, owing to an increase in the global population and the consumption patterns of an expanding middle class. Climate change will worsen the outlook for the availability of these critical resources. Climate change analysis suggests that the severity of existing weather patterns will intensify, with wet areas getting wetter and dry arid and dry and arid areas becoming more so much of the decline in precipitation will occur in the middle east and northern africa as well as western central asia southern europe southern africa and the us southwest we are not necessarily headed into a world of scarcities but policymakers and their private sector partners will need to be proactive to avoid such a future. Many countries probably won't have the wherewithal to avoid food and water shortages without massive help from outside. Tackling problems pertaining to one commodity won't be possible without affecting supply and demand for the others. Agriculture is highly dependent on accessibility to adequate sources of water as well as on energy-rich fertilizers hydropower is a significant source of energy for some regions, while new sources of energy, such as biofuels, threaten to exacerbate the potential for food shortages. There is as much scope for negative trade-offs as there is the potential for positive synergies. Agricultural productivity in Africa, particularly, will require a sea change to avoid shortages Unlike Asia and South America, which have achieved significant improvements in agricultural production per capita, Africa has only recently returned to 1970s levels. So that's an excerpt of this uh, document here. If anyone found that interesting, again, you can find more at uh, publicintelligence.net/slash globaltrends2030. So thank you, Dexter, for your uh, views and for sharing that. Sometimes I wonder with these predictions, you know, for the world, um, in the coming decade, because it all depends, you know, it's like every group has a different view of what's going to happen. I mean, I still remember in 2011, which I can't believe that's a decade ago now. Isn't that crazy? Wow. It's like, that's one of those things that, uh, just hits you. But I remember in 2011, you know, 10 years ago, watching a video on YouTube, um, the world in 2020, you know, 10 years in the future. And of course, now here we are talking about 2030, you know, 10 years from now. But that video from 20, you know, that I saw in 2011 about what they felt the world in 2020 would be proved to be very inaccurate. Uh, it was not like how they said it would be at all and it was definitely inaccurate in that regard where they said everything in your house would be smart and touch screen be that your bedside table to your bathroom mirror to your kitchen counter you know everything is smart and internet connected and obviously that's not the case you know there's some smart devices but not everyone's along with that either i don't want to live in a smart house I wanna have a lamp that I can simply turn on and off as it is and I just want it to be a lamp. I don't want it to be an internet connected lamp. I don't want it to be a lamp connected to an Alexa device. I don't even want an Alexa device or a Google Home or any of that in my house. I just want it to be a house, a non-smart house with regular inanimate objects. You know, that's just the way I want to live. Doesn't mean that everyone else has to do that. That's just my take. I just want my refrigerator to be a refrigerator. I want my bathroom mirror to be a bathroom mirror. I don't need for it to be a smart in- internet connected device. You know, I, I don't need that. But either way, you know, that's how they predicted the world would be in 2020. And well, it's not. So, you know, we'll we'll see. We'll see how this is. So, you know, we'll see. Of course, one thing that always catches my attention, whenever I think of 2030, of course, I always think of the UN Agenda 2030. You know, that's just something you'll have to research on your own. Anyway, for tonight's broadcast, we have two more emails. Abigail in St. Louis writes in, just wanted to send a quick hello and a few words of encouragement. I've been following you for probably a couple of years now, with your Report of the Week channel on YouTube, and your content never disappoints. Recently, I've been listening to your VORW podcast while working and wanted to say that your content, voice, demeanor, just everything, is very professional and well done. I enjoy tuning in when I can, usually on YouTube, um, but I recently subscribed on SoundCloud as well and love hearing something interesting and thoughtful playing in the background. Please keep up the good work, I know you get many mixed reactions from countless people regarding the content you produce, but in my opinion, your community is one of the most wholesome and decent groups of people I've come across online. It clearly shows how much people look up to you as a role model. You're setting a great example to many. Well, thank you, Abigail, for your kind words. I, you know, I can't say anything in that regard about the community, but all I know is that the folks who listen in you know, I know people have different views and opinions, and I respect that. Um, But when I when I go through the comments and through the emails, it's such a wonderful group of people that tune into this show—it really is. And on a final note, we have this comment: I first knew you as a meme, and haven't really watched any of your videos until last month. Once I started, damn, it was something. I watch your videos and listen to your podcast whenever I, whenever I'm eating or walking along the sidewalk, mostly because you have a very soothing voice and a very descriptive style of commenting things. You seemed down sometimes. I can't really say much to you, but you're a big deal everywhere. I mean, if you're a meme, then that of itself is a big deal. I really look up to you, man. I listen whenever I'm down and whatnot, and you give me comfort, so you're doing good. Things are good. This is coming from a South Korean Gen Z teen right here. People think of us as strict people with high standards, but some of us are just normal. I'm just a normal kid who spent half of my childhood in Chicago. I'm not particularly fluent in Korean, but I'm getting used to it. A question. What was your profession at high school, and what did you want to be? So thank you, number one uh, for your kind words, it really means a lot to hear that, you know, you tune into this, this broadcast, and I, I really appreciate it, and I think that's a good point, you know, I think, you know, the cultural differences, sometimes it gets the best of a lot of people, and, you know, we look at certain places a certain way, but we're all human, you know, we're all people in the end, sometimes we do things differently, and we have different ways of looking at things, but we're all people in the end, and, uh, Well, let's see. You know, in terms of high school, I mean, let's just look at high school, for instance. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with my life. I had no clue. I was thinking, well, maybe I'll become an office worker or something. And just do that, you know, maybe find some white-collar data entry job or, you know, sit in a cubicle and answer phones or something. And uh, that's it. I know those aren't very high aspirations, but that was one thing that I thought of doing, maybe. Um, You know, there were times where I even thought of just maybe getting into more... Because I'm not one of those people with big... And, you know, I don't know, big expectations. I didn't say, I want to be, you know, this, this, and this. I want to be CEO, you know, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a movie star or something. It's like, I'm okay with delivering pizzas. Um, I'm okay with working as a, you know, if I have to, you know, work as a clerk at a a convenience store or stock shelves in the middle of the night. I mean, I'm okay doing that stuff. I don't know. There's nothing degrading about that sort of work. People act like if you want to, you're some sort of subhuman trash. You know, no, you have to have, this is, remember, we talked about money. No, you have to have a job that makes money, right? You got to make a lot of money But again, even those sorts of jobs, there's, you know, but I don't know, people have different views of them, I get it. But I really just had no clue what I wanted to do in life. So very fortunately, the YouTube and everything happened to take off in a time, you know, right after that. And uh, everything pretty much just went, went in that way. Which is incredible because before that, I I was completely lost in terms of profession. There was just, there was no calling one way or another. You know, there was none. So it all just kind of worked itself out, um, but obviously in a a bout of some some very good luck at that. And with that, dear listeners, that's all that we have for you today. Any feedback is welcome at vorwinfo at gmail.com. I'm sorry that the show today was, uh you know, I, I know some would call it a downer, but, you know, you never know what you're going to get. So uh just please hang in there. It's just, I think, the state of this world full of negative energy at this point. But who knows? By the time we reconvene again at the microphone, maybe a week or two from now, uh, maybe things will be better. You know, who knows? We'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll take it, you know, day by day, one step at a time, one foot in front of the other. With that, please be safe, be healthy wherever you are, be a good person, be respectful to each other. Until next time, I wish you all the very best. Take care, this is VORW.